Good evening and welcome to The Real Study with your hosts, Mr. Snippets. Welcome back to The Real Study. Black Girl Marvel. But I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Mr. Marvelite. Not knowing anything about the film. All the movie things. Knowing like I was locked in right away. The pre-review with Super Gummy Guru. Pre-review. And me, the real study movie voice guy. Let's go to the poster wall. Good evening and welcome to The Real Study. This is Season 1, Episode 17. I am Mr. Snidbits. And tonight we do not have Black Girl Marvel, but that is okay. We still have with me Mr. Marvelite and all the movie things. Uh, you guys can say hello. And we are hello. we are doing hello. some musicals tonight. It's an all-musical evening. We're going to be doing the critically acclaimed Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Andrew Garfield, the... Uh, very interesting story we'll get to here in a minute. We have Les Miserables, if you will. Um, terrible at that. Or Les Mis, if you will, um, which is uh, also critically acclaimed. And then the classic, Singing in the Rain. So lots and lots of musicals. Each one, of us, each one of us will be singing something from each film. <laughs> As a bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just bring that Mr. Marvelites, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, wait. He's like, my mics don't work. I am out of here. Um, so, yeah, um, we can do this in any order. Do you guys want to go chronologically in the order they were released, or do you want to start with Tick, Tick, Boom? I say chronologically. Let's do that. I like it. I like it. So we're going to start yeah. off with Singing in the Rain, then. Yes. And um, Mr. Marvelite's uh, expression on his face when we talked about this movie before the show made me want to go to him immediately uh, to, oh, no. to get his take on Singing in the Rain, because it didn't seem like it was uh, favorable, I guess. What do, you, what do you got for me, Mr. Marvelite? Okay, I'm going to be brief on this, because I really, I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I watch this film... Um, there were certain parts where I just had to get up and walk away because it was just not interesting me at all. Um, and then I, I looked oh, at my man. wife and I said, you know, this is part because I'm half Arabic. I'm like, I guess this is where it's mm -hmm. like the typical white person show, because I was not interested in this at all. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, there was one song, I think, in the film where it was talking about pretty women and it mentioned them being 16 years old. I'm like, that's creepy. Yeah, there was like, that. like there was a I lot of creepy factors. And then, and then the, the, the guy, I, I, listen, I, it was so, it was so bad for me. I don't even remember names at all in this. And so there was the one, the one scene where they realized how bad the, 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 the movie was, and they decided to do the dubbing over and they decided to make it a musical. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And if you, if you mm -hmm. look when, when the, the guy who was in charge like made the decision to go ahead and dub the voice. Those two guys got really close to each other. That was the that was the one part that I was actually most interested in because I looked at my wife and I said, you know, for this time period, there seemed to be a lot of a lot of, a lot of like a sexual tension between these two guys because like they got really close into each other's faces, and then the girl pulled the guy off and kissed him, and you could tell like there was like this irritation, and of course it's because, um, you know she kissed the other guy and not him. And then she kissed him and he fell over. But it was like, like just the movie itself, other than like, yeah, I just, 
the studio head being concerned about the actual actresses and actors like that didn't make sense to me um the there were some good parts about it i told my wife i said i pretty pretty much the only thing i could say that this movie really did for me was like i now have the reference of where singing and what's like how singing why is like she's singing in the ring yes exactly (laughs) and and then also the good morning song Good. Um, it's not a commercial right. song anymore to me. It's I get it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I did my singing it's just, like, just now. Yeah, it's right. just like it's just like the uh, there's a couple songs that Disney does that have a little bit more sinister backgrounds too. But you know everybody sings them because they're at the amusement parks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but I just I this movie did not resonate with me at at all. I felt like it took way too long for that plot twist at the end to kind of like come out and then like literally i got so tired of it i walked i got up and went to go make dinner and my wife stopped the movie she's like you're almost done and i'm like well i can wait you know it was just it just didn't it just didn't do anything for me that's fair and i like musicals but no and and that's one of the reasons we're doing musicals tonight is that all of us do have quite a few musicals that we do enjoy so there's you know Mm -hmm. you're not going to find us shying away from them but two hit three in a row although i would argue that tick tick boom is sort of a musical uh, I'm anyway. sorry. I just saw your chat message where you said no, and you wrote out sad. I thought it would come up uh, with a, an emoji, and no, it just says it just says sad face. Yes, that sometimes is. I do that. I just type out sad face. It's just it was easier than trying to hunt for a for an emoji emoji. Um, so okay, uh, we'll we'll get right down to. I would love to hear what all the movie things has to say about. Um, Thing in the rain and real quick before before we get there uh the reason chicago was not on the list is we actually um all the movie things and i had a discussion about that we've all seen it um and it was something that i expressed that i didn't love but we we kind of kicked around a few ideas and then seeing in the rain kind of got mm-hmm. picked instead we can always right. do it later and i'm open to that idea um, yeah i love chicago for yeah. sure <laughs> i don't know if mr marvelite likes chicago <laughs> Um, no, I didn't. I, my contact got loose, and I didn't want to poke. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the the definite way of things is when people don't no, like listen, things, are, they will. There, there are there are movies that I would. There are musical movies that I would have like fought for be, before Chicago. I was not a big fan of it. Like I would have even gone for the Romeo and Juliet, even though that wasn't a musical, but it was like more modern and there was music in it. Um, I would go mm-hmm. for that before Chicago. So you probably choose Moulin Rouge, which is which is yes. Other... Yes. Yes. Do you like Bosler? You and McGregor, for, just for the fact yeah, that you McGregor. Man one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so go ahead. All the movie things. Yeah. Um, so I'm like on the opposite spectrum of Mr. Marvelite. I like really enjoyed singing in the rain. This is my first time seeing it. And it's it's one of those like I even wanted to make a TikTok about it, just like um doing like a series of films that I should have seen by now, kind of thing, you know. And this is one of them. And like for me. I, I mean, I was like laughing. I mean, um, the Lena Lamott character. <laughs> she, oh my god, she is hilarious! Oh my god, like she's she's for me. She steals every single scene. I love I love that. Like the whole concept. Like and like for me, being like a film history nerd, this is around the transition between, you know, the silent film era and when sound was coming about. And they talk about the jazz singer, which was, in you know in the history of film it's a huge deal very problematic of course uh al jolson wearing blackface which this film has similar problematic things there's a scene with some background dancers that are wearing blackface Mm -hmm. um and one one like very small character has like a speaking part and you can clearly see 
the blackface of course there's you know like some patriarchal things in it of course it's oh, 1952 yeah. when this was released um i and with that said like they did some really great there's some really great editing things that in here that i was like really blown away by uh, like that one sequence you know that very long musical sequence when he's explaining like oh i had this idea for this one thing and then they go off into like showing you what his idea was for the musical sequence mm -hmm. um it's it was so vivid um so like from a technical perspective i was really blown away by the, some of the things they were doing i mean they're doing like compositing and stuff back then in 1952 which is crazy um and um and like i was just really impressed with like how physical these actors had to be oh yeah i mean they're like they look like they're just like literally like bouncing around and like they could just move and i'm like how are they not just like and lights back then were hot as hell i mean those were like super yeah, they didn't hot show lights. exhaustion or fatigue yeah like no they didn't going. and long cuts yeah, too yeah. long takes yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah and, that, and, that, and that's and that's like because they didn't really have technology to like you know, there's no steady cam. There's no, it's all dolly and crane. That's really all they have. To, and, and the tripod, you know, cause they, so they have to like stay pretty relatively stationary. Right. Um, yeah. So for me, from like a, being a film history nerd, like I, I love that whole thing. Cause there was a lot of this, like, you know, these trials and tribulations they had to go through when transitioning, they all had to like kind of keep up with each other and they all like developed their own systems too. So it was very disjointed and, and play, but that, that whole thing. The one scene says it all when they first are trying to record Lena <laughs> with the and, bush. Like, she keeps turning away. Yeah, <laughs> like you can hear like, her yeah, so talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I mean, I almost feel like she's. This is like one nerdy thing, but I, I I doubt it. But I was like, she sounds a little like Harley, like Harley Quinn in a way. I was like, what if there's some inspiration from Harley? Because she's this blonde and she like has this very specific accent. I just thought it was. Well, and she seemed like, unassuming, but we find out she's ferocious, right. really, in the yeah. end. Yeah. Oh, later yeah. on, yeah, yeah. No, totally. She was yeah. like, no. So it kind of, yeah. I mean, and her like, inspiration oh. for Harley Quinn does make some sense. Right. So. Right. I just thought it was kind of a fun thing. But, well, you can also um, tell that. Yeah, like, I, re I really did sorry. enjoy it more than I thought I would. Yeah. No, and I'm so. I'm with you on this. All the movie things. I was a little shocked at how much I actually enjoyed this. Um, right. Found myself oh my. giggling and uh, at some of the jokes and the whole self-referential Hollywood thing. It's so funny because we live in an era where everybody's like, oh, that's so cool. Look at how edgy people are. And I'm like, you know, they did that right. then. Right. Like, that's not new. Mm -hmm. uh, right. But everybody thinks it's new. And I'm like, these stories are still being retold. These are all so singing in the rain oh, was yeah. cutting ground that nobody had done in film before that now we kind of yeah. take for granted in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So for that, I appreciate what it is. Uh, Gene Kelly, uh, wow. Uh, Debbie Reynolds, wow, both. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, watching Debbie at this age was like watching Carrie at the same age in a lot of ways for me. So I kept, kept yeah. feeling like I was watching young Carrie Fisher because they were so similar in the way they acted. Um, I'm certain that Carrie picked up a lot of her techniques from her mother. Why wouldn't you? Um, right, yeah. And the, I think for me, the standout, I, I do, don't get me wrong, Gene Hagen as Lamont was fantastic. But I think that yeah, Cosmo yeah. was, for me, the standout. I think that... He's pretty great, too. Yeah. He was he yeah, was yeah. always with the little wisecracks and the fun lines uh -huh. and the, like, let me get you yeah. a cigar. Oh, let me take that back, you know, kind of lines. Yeah. And I really did like that. Uh, to Mr. Marvelite's point about RF, uh, about the studio heads giving a crap about anybody, they didn't. 
And I think right. that they knew that when they oh, made yeah, this yeah. movie. It's a self-referential. It's it's a it's um, self-referential, and then it's also um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's gonna slip my mind. Doesn't matter. Um, it, it's aware of itself. It knows that it's making fun of Hollywood right. the whole time. Even oh, yeah. the way they oh, enter the yeah. film premiere at the beginning of the film and the like, lady on the mic. Yeah. Um, is all like kind of poking fun at Hollywood. Um, So in a way, I I liked that as well, because again, in the 90s, we thought we were poking fun at Hollywood, like it was new or something. Um, So for me, definitely the problems with the film, anything made before any, like if anything before 1990, before 2000, actually, no, I was just thinking about the like heyday of anything goes in film. And that's really between 1999 and 2010 where you Mm -hmm. could just say and do anything. And now we're all like, wait a minute, we can't go that far. Um, It's kind of like two ends, like bookends for me. I don't know. So I I really enjoyed the the singing, the performances. There were a few performances. I was like, all right, can we move on? Um, Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm But even some of the co-opting of different music, because there's a moment where they do music, they do some, I think, uh, mariachi music for a moment where they're all singing it. Yeah. And then they do... I don't remember what the other culture, but they definitely straight yeah, they do a few off. different ones. Yeah. Right. And I, so I, I see all the problems I do, but if mm-hmm. you're talking about just a fun musical with an interesting story, that's really telling a story about Hollywood, about Broadway, about mm-hmm. actors who get forgotten and then get to rise. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a story in a story. I don't know. It's, there's a lot there. It's almost sure. inception. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll stop, but yeah, yeah, that's, no, that was my take on it. Overall. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are one yeah, down, like Will. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Mr. Marvel, I, I still want to hear more of, of why you. No, I really I do. don't have. I don't have more. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Just listen. I, there, there are times like I like I loved It's a Wonderful Life. I, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know. Just Sing in the Rain just did not do anything for me. And I like old musicals, but like it just. I found no in like it just it just did not hit me. It did not hit me as anything interesting. It like I I, I told my wife at one point because we were doing we were doing some things. I'm like, let you know, I got to get through this song, this this movie. Let's let's go ahead and put it on while we're doing things because we're trying to get like decoration, like decor and stuff changed in the house. And I realized about 20 or 30 minutes in the movie, I'm like, honey, I don't even think I paid attention to this thing at all. Like it hasn't caught my attention at all. Like it was mm-hmm. like and it, it was hard for me. And I, I think this is one of the first few times that like i there have been movies that we that we've recommended on the show that i i never had an interest in watching but it was never like a i'm not gonna like this type thing like uh right. what was it love simon things like that like mm-hmm. I, they were just mm-hmm. never on my radar sure sure singing right. in the rain I knew it was there, and i'm like you know i guess because oh, yeah. i like films i should i should maybe whoa joker yeah i had to stop uh we just got five uh oh, gift stubs yeah. uh from joker to captain salty dog biggie lady crossheart ray ray woo and mrs marvelite all now are sub wow. to the real study thank you for your awesome. generous donation <laughs> sir and all the subscriptions and welcome to uh the real study those five of you uh as we were hearing from Mr. Marvelite about how singing in the rain is more like singing in the snooze fest. It's not even, listen, I get there are some <laughs> values like the, the, tab, the, the tap dance scene when they realized that they could just make the movie a musical, like 
like I, I liked little bits like that. And I, I was I was I was definitely interested when they did that whole number when he like like uh, like like all the movie things said um, mm -hmm. when he's like, you know, and then we would do something like this. And it, it they, they take to the uh, like the story of the guy coming into the city and, yeah, you know, yeah. when he gets started, and he moves his way up from thing to thing. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, that's that's very reminiscent to the old style of like telling a story like I could immediately see this on Broadway. Um, right. but I was just like, I was waiting for certain moments to like, mm -hmm. like singing in the rain. I was waiting for that right. to finally get yeah. an understanding of, you know, why yeah. it was important and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. other than that, I'm just like, there was a lot for me and I'm not saying that everybody has to feel the same way. I just, it felt more throwaway for me than, than anything. Oh, else. Yeah. Like, I, I can say I've seen it now, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things. But yeah. I've, I've yeah been I'll there probably where... never watch this again. Right. Unless I'm in a nursing home and I can't control the <laughs> Change the TV! Yeah. Right, something like that. I, yeah. I can't wait I mean, to see I, Mr. Marvel. I, 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 I definitely can see, like... In the retirement home, it'll too. only be Marvel movies. There you go. Yeah. You'll call it Marvel-like That's retirement my franchise. Home. Yeah, that's your... <laughs> no, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And like Brian was just saying, I, I've been there too. There have been movies where no matter how hard I try, Same no matter how many dream. times I put them on, I can't get into them. And I try. There are some that I really do try. I give mm -hmm. my 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 yeah. solid O. But I'll tell you that I find, and I keep saying this to people, every five or ten years, if you even, even if you hated a film, I'd say try it again. Uh, because you are yeah. going to be in a different headspace and a different person. And you Except may for, like it. Mm -mm. So Some movies, no. No, no, I, I'm, a, I'm certain there's some movies, no, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, like, Birth of a Nation? No. no. You don't no. need to be watching that. No, I don't even like, need to sit in history class. There's a lot of reasons behind that one, but... From, no. a, from a technical reason, like, in film history, yeah, blah, 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 whatever, but no one needs to watch it. It just needs to be, like, a like a freaking bullet point. A footnote. And that's it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a terrible... There are plenty of movies that did the same thing after you could use as reference. You wouldn't need yeah. to use it yeah. itself. And the fact that it's still used in some no. film classes is annoying um, yeah. because they actually show it. But we. Yeah, we, we only we talked about it, but that was about it. We didn't like actually watch it. And we just talked about like. And it makes editing sense. was a big deal. And like, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And it. You know, every iteration. I mean, there are things we can talk about throughout history that even though evil people did them, they still ultimately led to some good things and so there's there's always interesting things in history like that so yeah. historical perspective is never a bad thing from my from my point of view that's why even watching a movie like singing in the rain from a historical perspective which is what we're doing nothing we watch that old is going to be anything but a piece of history um, no totally yeah because it's definitely going to be like it's always going to have some problems in it you right. know from like a cultural perspective we didn't like walk a, into it in 52 had we that would yeah, be a exactly. different yeah right? oh yeah it would be blown away <laughs> and uh, mr marvel like do you, do you think so you could if you could erase all you know and walk into that movie in 1952 with that mindset of, a, of an american in 1952 do you think it's possible you may have enjoyed it then or is it the mindset now would i be the same person that i am going back in the probably wouldn't be the like, same person no i'm not talking no about, i'm not talking about like like interest in marvel and stuff like that i'm talking about like You'd you know, have your same convictions, sure. Individual, because oh yeah, oh. Um, in some cases, I probably would not have been able to walk into that place. That's fair. Know. So, you know. But let's let's say you could. Let's say it was in New York, and okay. there's enough of a melting pot that you could just walk right in. I don't know. 
stew on it. We can just oh, think no. about it. I, because I, I think, just I think, think these thought experiments I think, are fun. I think all. back then, I think there were people. Well, here's the thing. I think a lot of times there are people who did not do problematic things back then, but there are still, you know, but they they can identify it later on. They don't know that those things are problematic. True. I think if you look back at things that right. we didn't, we we were interested in or liked in the '90s, you know, even even the '80s or the '90s. Like, like, like you might say, like one of the, you know, your quintessential films of the eighties was big trouble in little China. That is highly antagonistic to Asian people. But a lot of people are like, you know, that was a good movie, but really it wasn't, you know, if you think about it in that, in that aspect. So, I mean, I think we all have our own versions of singing in the rain. Um, So I'm not, I'm not going to completely rule it out. I just, I was just I curious, know. really, honestly, because oh, yeah. for me, it's thought experiment because it's I think a lot of movie viewing comes from when rather than um, the movie itself. Movies are always in a weird way, kind of out of time while still sitting in their time um, because of the art form that they are. And if they're made right, they sit completely out of time because it doesn't feel like you can tell when they were made uh, other than maybe production quality. But even then, sometimes. So I just think it's interesting. I always come from this perspective because a lot of my background comes from sociology and history. Mm. And so I'm always mm-hmm. thinking about these things from like, not, did I like this movie right now? Sure. Yes. That's a huge part of the show and what we do, but from a historical perspective, especially with these classics uh, is. Yeah. Is now with fun. me saying what I've said, I'm not going to rate it as lowly as I think some people would think I'm going to rate it. <laughs> Interesting. But because mm-hmm. I think there are some technical things that are that were good about it. I think that there, you know, you know, it you have to put in the factor that it's, you know, it's more classical or it's more of a classic than, you know, something that's relevant to today. Mm-hmm. But I'm not again, we're talking about preferences yeah. as well. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't lost on me too, like how white it is. I mean, like I was trying to find, you know, some other you know, race. It's all there. white. Like, cis yeah. white male. Yeah. Let's be very cis like cis sure. white yeah. male. Because Debbie Reynolds is in it, yeah. but she's still like an object of whatever the studio's deciding or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. whatever uh, Lockwood wants and things like that. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. that, like you said, patriarchy is loaded. Like, I don't think oh, you yeah. could find a film before seventy really that's going to have much in the way no, of totally. feminism. Um, yeah even like how they played on her emotions at the end even though they were gonna do it to benefit her like i would have brought her in on that because what if she what if she cracked her voice as out of shock like right (laughs) then people like oh she sucks you know or whatever Mm -hmm. um something that was interesting to me too was like chris evans is gonna play gene kelly here in a movie coming up and i was like and I was looking at Gene Kelly. I was like, okay, I can I can see him. I can see Chris Evans as after watching this movie. Like it really. I mean, yeah, came I mean, home could, to me that I can see him doing. Can that. I like, see totally. Gene Kelly playing Captain America? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, right. That's interesting. I I know Chris is a physical guy. I know that he does a lot of the action sequences and things like that. But does he have the, the dancing yeah. chops to be Gene Kelly? Because you gotta have the dancing chops to be Gene Kelly. Like, if you don't, it would be kind of weird. He throws himself into whatever he does, so we'll see what happens. True, true, true. That's exciting, though, because he's definitely, Chris has grown a lot in the years. Um, Come a long way from not another teen movie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he did some singing in that one, so. That's true. Um, Yeah, kind of, kind of singing. 
I, I, I do want to talk about the dancing uh, in this movie because it's a huge highlight mm -hmm. of the film. And like you were saying, the stamina that it took for them to do these things was pretty ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But I, the, the how in sync Gene and Donald were yeah. and all of their vaudeville sequences blew my mind. I almost wanted to like rewind and go, what the hell? Yeah. How I know, did I they get so on Like, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like going up and down on, on chairs and platforms and all these different like, yeah. yeah. Or even it's, even it's Gene so... singing in the rain, like dancing in the water, yeah, and then up and down yeah, yeah, and yeah. not slipping. I mean, yeah. some crazy stuff there. Yeah, yeah, um, it was really great. Yeah, which that water hurt back then because it would have been like <laughs> full blown fire hoses. It wouldn't have been oh yeah, super yeah. sets no. with like a because I know nowadays they can even get wild with like a tent set up with like trickle rain uh -huh. and all sorts of weird things. Yeah. But it had to hurt to sing in the rain, like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And the cop, what was the cop? What does it, it matter so if a grown I know. man wants to flash in the puddle, man? <laughs> I know that. Yeah, that thing. I know that. I know that too. I'm like, oh, what's he was a beatnik. Like, Jesus, that's yeah. a good point. <laughs> what are you doing, you beatnik? Communist. What are you doing? Yeah. Communist dancing in the Get your poetry out of here. With this. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes like sense. The nation there. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. I don't know. It's a. It's definitely more of a riot than I thought it would be, like a like a ruckus riot in that way. Like right. it's fun. It it was I I knew it was supposed to be a musical, but I didn't know it was fun and funny. Musicals yeah, to either. me were yeah, always yeah. just like dry. Is it just me or does do I want I would like just to see the bad film? Oh, like, so yeah, that, yes. that, that, <laughs> that would be, that interesting that would be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. I love that you. scene. I love that you. was one of the I best. I love you. I love you. Although I love you, like who wrote this? Like, <laughs> and that was always paid to write like, I, Yeah, that was always his like, go-to line, though. Like he just came up with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, who wrote this? Oh, what? Technically, Technically he, was he was singing in the milk. milk. Right. But that doesn't roll off the tongue the same. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. that's gross and even worse. Well, and like, well, even rain today is hard to shoot. You have to backlight rain all the time. So, well, and like milk is yeah. sticky because it's the sugars. So like what he was, type, well, what was, it thin? was it 2% or it was, I mean, I'm, does that depend on the camera? I'm skimming in the rain, skimming in the milk. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'll probably milk this for too long. <laughs> yes. Oh, where's my butter? You're, you're in like dad joke it's, it's, mode with all the it's Marvel. It's utterly jokes. bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I, I did have to say that I was watching I TikTok. Very good. <laughs> so I do have to say I got my joke uh, staying ready for you guys every time you do it now. So just go for it. Mm. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. No, oh, now I ruined it. I shouldn't have told you. I'm, I'm so no, kind of dry now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was watching TikTok before the show, and I was actually watching uh, somebody who I don't know, I swear all my devices are listening to me because I didn't hear about singing in the rain oh, until yeah. we started talking about it for the show. And now I see it everywhere. Uh, it's <laughs> it's on my feed. It's showing up like in yeah. new segments. I'm like, what the hell? So apparently everything that went on between Lamont and um, and Kathy. Uh, as far as the, the mm -hmm. dubbing the voice was what really occurred in the time. And it was actually very yeah. common, but instead of it being mm -hmm. this twist in the movie, oh boy. I, I did a joke sting for a, for a chat comment. So anyway, <laughs> um, they did that kind of stuff a lot, but it wasn't where they were fighting for contracts. It was literally because the 
studio refused to let that be known because they didn't want it to hurt the production. Rather, it was never about the actresses. It was always oh, about no, the studio no. and the production. And so I think there were no. two actresses that this new segment mentioned. And I thought it was really interesting. I'm like, wow, this, so this wasn't just a trope in Singing in the Rain. Mm -hmm. It really did happen, um, which is yeah, cool. Yeah. So. I also think I also think there the, you when you're talking about the uh, the the change between silent film and you know you mm -hmm. know with audio and everything you have to consider that some of the silent film stars may not have been best translated when they were actually heard and so oh, in yeah, a lot of cases exactly. to keep them relevant they may have done the dubbing just to you know extend their career because they still had contracts in the studio didn't want to just like or they were even good in on film, so they were good presence-wise. Right. They, they looked good. They knew yeah. how to deal with the sets and the directors and various things. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I like everything had to shift too, because like when they, because there's a there's a scene that's very accurate as far as um, the research I've you know learned about with film history. There's like filmmaking when the silent film era was like. An assembly line. They had all these, like there, there's a scene where they're walking together and they're walking by all these different sets. Those are all different silent films being simultaneously shot because they don't have to worry about sound. And then now with sound, you you can't do that anymore. Right. You can't simultaneously shoot all these things right next to each other. Studios so they, like, must have hated logistically. That. Yeah, like, exactly. Logistically, they had to like tear everything apart. Oh, you know, and, like, Yeah. I mean, it, every time they change, you know, stuff. as yeah, soon as there's a change, right. Every time when yeah. the digital age happened, now everybody's got to hire out to some company and take all their footage somewhere and, yeah. you know, deal with it that way. Um, yeah. yeah, I could imagine it would have been a nightmare. Same thing with when they switched from from cut to color, the studios had to start getting all the cameras and getting all the film and getting everything yeah, different film. Right. Um, everything changed. And then lighting more than likely changed uh, when color film came along. I doubt that it stayed exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting because it I think yeah. it's fun to think about films that do highlight moments throughout Hollywood uh, and how they've changed. Um, what was I going to say? Why did my brain stop? It's doing that a lot today. That's OK. Um, I think the other two films are going to get us talking quite a bit more than this. This was really, really just more of a, a touch upon a classic. Mr. Marvelite mm -hmm. um, has little to say on the topic, so I don't want to keep pushing him, <laughs> um, which is fine. Because if we all, if you don't have anything to say about it, that's better than being forced. Can to I also just say, I'm, I, if anything, watching these films, it makes me also really appreciate the fact that we don't wear our pants that high anymore. Right. Like really yeah, like the, <laughs> was, the style is so different. For I was a big watching. guy like me too, it would look really bad. Like it just <laughs> No, for sure. <laughs> Will mentioned makeup as well was a good point. That changed dramatically when they switched mm -hmm. to color. Yeah, it did. Um yeah. so microphones have come a long way since the stuffing it into the giant rose on the side of the woman's neck in order to get yeah. the volume. <laughs> and everything was hardwired back then too like you can and and it was and it went on to a literally to a record yeah they I know. Put on vinyl or wax mm -hmm. back then so um and then eventually it got transferred on to the actual film you right. know later on but i love the way they made fun of the director as just this like nervous wreck in every way <laughs> right. um, yeah the, yeah yeah, he was a basket case. Yeah, I felt bad for him. I was really like, good. oh, was it, oh totally. was it Pietro? No, something like that. Felt mm -hmm. bad for the guy. But Pierre, I think, is what yeah. it was. But uh -huh. yeah. So why don't we go ahead and rate this film and we can move uh, on to uh, 
Les Mis, um, which is the next movie chronologically of these films. Um, we'll go in the same order. Mr. Marvelite, what do you rate Singing in the Rain? Um, it, it's, a, it's a classic. Um, there are things that, you know, are our society is kind of based off of tropes of like old classics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, uh, this movie will not be what I think of when I think of Singing in the Rain. Unfortunately, that has been etched in my mind with Tom Holland dressing up in drag on the lip sync battle. That's all I think of when I right. think of singing in the rain now. Mm-hmm. Um, that and then singing Umbrella. But um, mm-hmm. regardless, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, for the fact of like the history behind it I and mean, everything else, I'd probably give it a five. I'm not going to watch it again. It's not something mm-hmm. that, again, unless like I was really pushed to watch it again. I would probably just say, you go do what you're doing. I'm going to go play some Fortnite. Um, so, so literally like, in the, in yeah, I'm just, yeah. Fortnite exactly. in so, the rain. Fortnite in the rain. 12 year old me would not have given this a time <laughs> Haley. of day. That's what oh, I was yeah, thinking yeah. too. Uh-huh. I was thinking yep. of the, uh, the remix version of Under, uh, uh, of Under My Umbrella. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all the movie things. Um, yeah, I like really enjoy this more than I thought I would. I mean, like, there were moments I was, like, laughing out loud. Like, I was, like, just the Lena Lamont characters stole every scene for me. And so I got to give this an 8. Um, but 12-year-old me, yeah, definitely would not have any interest in this. Like, I would not be watching Singing in the Rain. I think all of yeah. us proved that so, by none of us seeing yeah, it. Yeah, because none we of us right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I think that's so. a fair point. And we all had access to it, no doubt, at some point. It's a video yeah. store or oh, with sure. our parents. There's no doubt it was available yeah. to me and I avoided yeah. it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna right there with with uh, all the movie things. It's an eight. Um, setting aside mm-hmm. anything problematic in it, uh, the structure of the film, right. Uh, right. the lighting, the sets, the dancing, the music, um, the acting from the three mains is phenomenal. Uh, and again, I don't think um, that Cosmo gets the credit. I think he was a standout. Yeah, he uh, was really great. And yeah. he he kind of stole the show from Gene in a way, which I think is part of what they were trying to do, but I'm not sure Gene right. noticed, but <laughs> so I, I definitely he had, one, he had that one really great, that one really great number too, where uh, like the very com- the very comedic number he did where- Oh, the vaudeville um, piece that he did. Yeah. He smashed through the yeah, wall yeah, and everything. Like with oh, the yeah. wood, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, I, yeah, yeah, I loved that. I loved it. I did yeah. too. Uh, and I did, yeah. I did love that they were going back far enough to go pre-Silent Era because that's when these guys came up. So, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Childhood favorite, Muncie. Totally makes sense. Uh, Muncie yeah. also rates in an eight. So. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move on to Lay Miz. I'm going to just say it like Les that Miz. and keep it, keep it <laughs> yeah. simple for myself because I am not French. Um, now, this is an interesting one because this is a remake of a play, which is a remake of... A of a book um and then there's a tandem film that was made kind of after the book but kind of after the play was made we'll get into it um Mm -hmm. so this is a 19 or 1862 novel uh post french revolution post second french revolution uh Mm -hmm. and then of course telling the story of the second french revolution to some degree it Mm -hmm. takes place at the same era and hello commander crossheart thank you for stopping by and hosting uh you did earn a uh subscription from uh, Joker earlier when he popped in. So there you go. Uh, (laughs) So just to make sure everybody knows, so we've got the novel from 1862, then that was made into a a play on Broadway, uh, I believe, was it in the 70s or was it the 80s? 
I'd have to look that up. Oh, I want to. I want to say eighties, but that's what I want to say as well because I remember the, the the poster specifically a lot from that era. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they yeah, made exactly. they made the play, which of course is where all the music for this movie uh, comes from. It was nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Yeah. Okay, so that's why I was thinking seventy eighty. So that was pretty close. Yeah. Um, and then. Of course, in uh, I think the mid '90s, they released and made a Les Mis movie starring uh, Liam Neeson, uh, and oh, there are a few others. It doesn't matter who it starred, but it was just a basically the move or the book turned into a movie, and then mm-hmm. there you go. I mean, you know, pretty simple drama essentially. This is the play, but with a lot of the kind of background from the novel thrown in. It seems because it's a lot of everything, and it's yeah. I'll stop there and try to try to get your guys' opinions on it because this is a heavy, (laughs) heavy duty Uh film. Um, One of the heaviest films we've ever touched on this show. Uh, So I want to hear all the movie things since uh, we started with Mr. Marvel last time. Let's hear what all the movie things thinks. And hello, Black Girl Marvel. Oh, hi. (laughs) Welcome. She can chime in while we're, we're talking, but, um, yeah, Les Mis, this one I had to like kind of push myself through. Like I I was not really feeling like the second um, Russell Crowe starts singing, I like, I check out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thankfully Russell it wasn't Crow's much. Really <laughs> right. You know, um, I mean, Hugh Jackman's doing great. Like he's, he's just, I mean, he's really great in this. Um, it was from like a production design perspective, it like blows my mind. That's amazing. You know, flawless. Almost. Great. Like, yeah, yeah, it's insane. Um, and like, it's, I felt like it was almost kind of re- relevant today. Like that, at least the have and the haves and the have nots, like the, like how far apart everyone was, you know, the, um, as far as like class, there's just a lot about class and everything. And, um, and so that that part stuck with me, but it was just hard to get through because it seemed like oh, there's a lot. They like really try to cram in a lot in, the, in this. So so for me, it was just like it kind of I really had to kind of push through it. So fair, Mr. Marvelite. Just, yeah. Um, I actually really like this film. Um, uh, first of all, it, it Hugh Jackman never disappoints when it comes to singing roles. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they 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 realize, you know everyone thinks of him as Wolverine from the X-Men series. And that was really where he got mm-hmm. his big start, but he was, he was definitely a singer. He oh, was yeah. definitely doing musicals before that. Mm-hmm. And so for him to be able to do that on stage or on, um, on film um, for, you know, uh, it's something that was a little bit more of a, uh, a mainstream production um, really got him out there. And I think that's kind of why we have things like, you know, him doing like the greatest showman and stuff like that, because, mm-hmm. You know, showcasing his voice is is I think is is very important. I mean, he he does fantastic. I also have to say, you know, Anne Hathaway's role in this film, she really knocked yeah. it out of the ballpark. Yeah. Um, just the the emotion she shares, um, the singing and everything else. Um, I loved Sasha Baron Cohen um, uh, <laughs> yeah. in this film. Like, that whole sequence was really great. Master yeah. of the House, like <laughs> that was yeah, just yeah. that was that was just like like I get like. I've never seen Les Mis in, in Broadway or anything like that or off, off mm-hmm, Broadway, mm-hmm. but I will tell you, I don't know how they could do that scene better because just going from room to room right. in a house and having those different circumstances 
like mm-hmm. the translate that the film was fantastic yeah. um so 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 definitely um you know cassette um you you definitely fall in love with the little girl i i it's Amanda Siegfried or Seifried, yeah. Seifried, yeah. Um, not so much of a fan of her. I, I kind of lost interest in Cosette at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have, um, oh, what's her name? I forget it now. Give me just a second. Um, the one who is in in love with the one, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, with, with Marius, um, uh, Eponine, um, Eponine, I guess is what her name was like i fell in love with her as soon as she started singing you know her 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 mainstay for for her part and um it was definitely it was definitely interesting you know you love the kid i liked the telling of the revolution and seeing the struggle mm-hmm. um for me though the story i felt like got a little bit rushed at the end but when when he's in the church and he's he's passing away and you start hearing spoilers um uh, at this point, it's 2012. I mean, I know, yeah, 1862 <laughs> novel. Forget it. Yeah, if you haven't read the novel, you've had you know a couple hundred years. You've had since now, before you were born. Yeah, exactly. Get on it. You know, you've lived until this moment. But, um, <laughs> but like when you started hearing like all of the people during that revolution that are singing beyond the gates, uh, basically, uh-huh. and you have that, you know, do you hear the people sing? Like that still gets chill, gives me chills, kind of hearing it and. Yeah, so I just loved it. I like I like that film. Nice. You know what's really interesting is I, I cut right between the two of you, because the moment Russell Crowe started <laughs> singing, I felt exactly what all the movie things. I was like, "What is going on here? Oh God, yeah. this is terrible." Please, like, don't get me wrong. He's foreboding. He fits the part. Oh yeah, yeah. But his, like, he he. As far does, as I don't. Performance goes. Yeah, yeah I don't was, feel the yeah. emotion that I'm supposed to from Javert in a lot of the scenes that I do from every other actor. And this thing against Russell Crowe, they wanted a good name, and I think he has a good voice. I think he can sing well. I just don't think that he could sing that particular character's part as well. I It just, there was, through the whole movie, I was like, okay, why? And I've seen the story before. I know the story of Jean Valjean and Jovert, and I know this story already, so I wasn't surprised by anything. It was more, mm-hmm. can I hack the music and do I like the way they interpreted it? Yeah. And once I pushed myself into the church scene where he first steals all the silver and runs away, mm-hmm. and then he starts talking to the preacher, the preacher's like, oh, I'm going to let you go. The way that Hugh Jackman played Jean Valjean just drew me in so quickly. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, if it had been reversed, I would have gave up on this movie. If Russell Crowe was Jean Valjean, I would have walked the f away from this flick. I don't think I could have done it because I just (laughs) we would have had him the whole time. And you know, no offense to him, but I just don't think it would have worked as well. Um, The part of this story that always puzzles me is the Jovert character. He's so committed to the law that. It's all he cares about. It's literally all he cares about. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess living in our times, it's hard for me to relate to that on that level um, mm-hmm. because that's patriotism for France and the king on a level I can't even imagine. Um, well, it seemed like he also had something with his with like religion. Religion as well, yeah. Connected to him there, yeah. Well, also, you know, he just has this his this disdain for anybody who's committed a crime, and he yeah. looked at any individual, whether they 
you know, because Jean Valjean, um, the whole the whole idea is um, mm-hmm. he 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 stole bread to feed his family, and right. he He's got dying. you know years right. in prison. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so and so because of that. He's this horrible criminal that everyone looks looks against, and he has to change who he is. And he's the least of the people that would have committed crimes in this time. Like, right. like yeah. he, it was it was like it's like shoplifting, and you know he's been marked as this you know horrible yeah. person that they will hunt oh, yeah. down forever. And it really does show this the societal disparity of people in that time frame and that mm-hmm. society. Agree, um, yeah. but it, I see that it's very comparative yeah. to what we have now, right? That's yeah, why it's. That's because a, you, I struggle with the character. Yeah. I understand all the totally. I get the the disparity, mm-hmm. but I want whenever I'm watching any movie, I'm trying to relate to both the protagonist and the antagonist so that I can understand the struggle, and break it down. And in this particular story, unlike uh, maybe like the Count of Monte Cristo, which is a very similar story, wow. I I end up not understanding him enough for me to understand his actions. I understand why he's right. doing what he does, but his final actions, that's, that's conviction, man. Like that's some serious conviction um, yeah. to, to take that I think, drastic a measure. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Well, yeah. my thing too was like, it was regardless of how much Jean Valjean had like changed his life completely since, you know, breaking parole and everything. He became this like, pillar of the community literally right. and like so much like so that they gave him. like what the yeah. hell yeah they gave Jovert to him he was so good like yeah yeah i don't know it's just crazy but yeah and the only reason why he was he was found out was because he refused to let someone take the fall for himself right. he was even, always the good even, guy even yeah, he was always the good guy yeah, exactly yeah. and and i think i think what happens is you also remember like if we look back at the you know that society you know um Javert was 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 probably in law because his family was in law. And it was it was this it was this this mm-hmm. you know this um, ancestry type pride and for him it was ingrained right. from probably his his childhood and so law for him was as much religion as it was any, you know anything else. Yeah. Right. yeah and yeah. so for him to allow accept the help of a fugitive that he you know and and not have the idea of mercy you know there was only it was either it was either accept disgrace or take his own life and you know we find you know he went to the extreme so right which is brutal that was more brutal than i expected it when he hit but at least he didn't have any more singing numbers after that yeah (laughs) ouch uh no that's fair um anne hathaway although such a small part you did mention her mr marvelite holy crap uh, when she started singing that scene, I don't know how she as an actress pulled that off because she, she's acting, full-blown acting. Yeah. But singing yeah. those parts belted. Like, not just singing them, but, like, belting them. And I... Well, I think, moved. too, another thing is they... I don't think they were using, pre, uh, like, playback in this. They were singing on set, I believe. That makes sense song. because you can see, uh, yeah. you know, all the... the yeah, like, throat, I mean, like... Know, and everything. Yeah, and Hugh Jackman's head is like yeah bubbly well his head is usually popping out yeah his very yeah he's very vain yeah but But another thing for me too is like i i'm not a i'm not a big fan of like these types of musicals where they like sing out their dialogue you know what i mean like so that's another thing that was kind of hard for me to 
you know, but I can appreciate a lot of what, what you guys are saying too. It's like repo. Yeah, there's a lot, to, a lot of great stuff. Is like yeah. this, right? I know. And exactly. Same with like, like into the woods. <laughs> into the woods is yeah. like this, and there are a few yeah, others. Yeah. You're right. It's it's interesting, and it's definitely Broadwayish. Like that's a Broadway thing. Like that's what they do. Right. So when they translate these Broadway style musicals to film, it doesn't always work. Now this one did, and I think this movie did right. really really well. And I was actually working at the theater when this came out, and I could not believe the number of people with gray hair that came to see this movie. Um, it was a ridiculous <laughs> number. Um, but right. that also made me kind of go, do I really want to watch this movie? That's like, there's not a single person <laughs> with color in their hair coming in here. Um, yeah. So, but now that I've watched it, I feel silly for not giving myself the chance to watch it because while there are moments like Mr. Or like all the movie things said that you drudge, like for me, part of the song. So I was drudging through them. I was like, all right, all you right. dude, I get it, dude. You are sad. This is morose. <laughs> This is bad. Yeah, yeah. Let's, I get Jeez. it, but yeah. don't say that sentence again, you know, but he would, you know, and that, <laughs> so I get that sense of it, but at the same time, when that, hit, when like Anne Hathaway's song or the end, when, when, uh, is it not Cosette, but when, um, what was her name? No, Fantine, when Fantine shows back oh. up and is standing over Jean Valjean, like I, I was Niagara Falls. Like I, yeah, I, yeah. And then of course the scene at the gates, like once they're at the like permanent, revolution um i loved it uh it's fantastic all right well up to that point when fantine finally appeared to him at the end that was that was finally the moment where he realized that he was able to fulfill what the bishop had told him to go and make a good life for himself afterward like he he was able to finally see that you know everything that he had done he had done something right right because the whole time he was trying to make he was trying to he was trying to earn and embody the 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 pardon that that bishop had given him um the priest had given yeah. him mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he never felt worthy right. he never felt like he did enough to um to take care of it and it was horrible because even with him doing like if you go back to when we we first have fontine um she's in the workhouse like he wants to do good but there's so many wicked people around him that are taking advantage that by by just by you know association he did this to this girl because he didn't have a credible person working for him. And you have like all of these situations that, you know, he still feels responsible for. Can we talk about that a little right. bit more? Because I, yeah. I, from my viewing, from what I saw, uh, Jean Valjean never saw her get ejected. He heard, but he never saw her leave or get ejected because he was so distracted with Jovert showing up that it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it yeah, was really had, his fault. He so remember, he told him to deal with it right. in the gentle yeah, yeah, yeah. repair. Right, right. But they weren't. They were the complete opposite. Right. Uh, but then he realized that even somebody in his uh, under his stewardship was treated that way even right. after asking them to take it nice. So he felt personally responsible. There's a lot of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that it definitely ties to the religious aspect of all of this and the Christian aspect of, you know, how things were during Fran- in France at that mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah, it, uh, I don't know. Uh, Fantine's character, man, like that—that's the scene that I will not get out of my head. It—I it, mm-hmm. thought she was a great actress before I saw this movie, and now I went, "Oh shit!" Like she—she she deserves whatever. Give her whatever role she wants. Just let her play whatever <laughs> movie she wants. She's good, like mm-hmm. that good. A lot of a lot of a lot oh, of yeah. young actors, like uh, childhood actors, they always get this type of uh, a stigma about them. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, Anne Hathaway, she's well known for the princess diaries um and and so you have you know this individual that's doing this stuff you know she did she just done a couple lackluster things she did like alice in wonderland and stuff where 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was the most, you know, um, complimenting of films for her. Um, and, you know, then she tried to do the, you know, the Dark Knight Rises and stuff, which I think was okay, but I think she still had some of that stigma, but this really set her apart um, when it came to her, her acting roles. Um, she, she was, she could be seen for more than, you know, just doing, you know, puffy, you know, you know, light spirited stuff. So she had done things like love and other drugs and other various films. I think even before, wait, was that 20, I think it was like 2010 that that came out. She had, I I still think she had done other things, but this definitely, obviously she went, you know, La La Oscar for it, you know, definitely Mm -hmm. this, this, this put her permanently on the map, but um, I think we can get more from her like this, but then we get movies like The Witches and mm-hmm. that 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 did not need to be remade. But anyway, um, I right. didn't mind that one so much. I really I loved the original, but it wasn't it wasn't so bad for me. I yeah, I, I like that one a little bit. Uh, any other things you want to say about it? All the movie things I know you were you said you had to push yourself through it. Did you find um? any of the music compelling at all or you, i know you oh, like the yeah. Sasha baron cohen part but i'm yeah, just trying that, to see that whole what... sequence yeah that whole sequence is great i mean most of hugh jackman's stuff was really great i mean i, I was really drawn in by his stuff and of course anne hathaway's um performance is incredible um yeah it's just there there are certain bits it's just, i mean it just again it just felt really like there's a lot in it for me and i'm just it's just hard for me to get through those like sung a dialogue kind of type of musicals, you know, but um, when it's like a big group number, I thought that was really great. I loved all, all of those when they had larger musical numbers going on, but like the bar sequence when they're um, singing about the flag, like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. that's yeah. some fun stuff. Those are great. And like, I, like I can definitely appreciate like parts of it for sure. I think for as a whole, it wasn't, it wasn't really working for me all the way, but. So here's a question then, based I'm, on that. I won't give it as a five though. Okay. That's so. <laughs> so based on that, uh, I've, I've had a thought about this because I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. seen the other Les Mis, the, the one with Liam Neeson. Um, no. I think you guys should just for the sake that it's, you know, it's a nineties period mm-hmm. piece basically with this exact story. Right. Uh, there's some. Oh, wait, was Liam Neeson here? there? No, Jean Valjean. Here's Jean oh, Valjean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they missed an opportunity there. Of course, this predated the Taken things. Yeah, no, um, no, he's Jean Valjean, and then, um, oh, who's the guy that was in an in, interview with the vampire, um, that played um, the like, Brad Pitt? No, no, the one that played the creepy French vampire, the the one that was underneath Antonio Banderas's character. I always oh. forget his name. Oh. Uh, I'm just gonna when look you say it up. creepy, I would have just said Tom Cruise again, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> no, I'll just look it up. Um, why is the original film not c- coming up? That's weird. Odd. Anyway, um, here it is. Jeffrey Rush. Why did I? And that's not even who I was oh. thinking of this. But oh. Jeffrey Rush plays Joe Bear. And then Fantine is played by Uma Thurman. Um, let's see. Oh, interesting. Who plays Cosette? I swear. Claire Danes plays Cosette. I knew that it was something. And this is not a singing. No, this is 100% just an adaptation of the novel. Because the novel is not oh, gotcha. a musical. 
the oh, Broadway yeah. turned it into a musical, and then this was Broadway's yeah. adaptation. So this is why this movie is weird. It's an adaptation of, is weird. of a musical, which is an adaptation of a book. That was so adapted two times a book. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> so the as much as the the Liam Neeson movie is so it's it's okay. Like I think it's worth a watch. I think you should watch right. it because it helps tell the story in a much more cohesive way. Saying all that, what I was trying to say was, I think this would have been brilliant, not as a musical. If they had just made this movie and made it a three-hour oh. epic, holy shit, it would have been good. And I don't think it was bad, right. but I think it would have just been that much better. So that's yeah. just my opinion. Oh, I think I think the musical numbers were strong in this. I, I you know, I, I think I think it would have lost something without. I get like if you had done a translation to the to the book with these characters and cast it would be different but i think with the like you couldn't make it a non-musical from based off the musical is that what you're trying to say from it or so you could either base the script on the movie that was made in 98 or just make a new script based on the novel and then okay. they, they could have done that right. with this set of sets because the set like like all the movie things said holy crap the production on this was wild yeah, uh, some of those yeah. shots like the whole boat in the beginning like that's just wow yeah that was um, massive yeah and the digital work that they did worked for it because they didn't do too much of it. They did yeah. it just for sweeping right. shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh -huh. um, but had they just taken the same dialogue uh, from this film, or like I said, the book, and done this mm -hmm. kind of a sweeping story, and then maybe broke it up. Maybe this could have been a miniseries, three-parter. Maybe this could have been two novels or two uh, big movies. I don't know. But I, I think right. part of me kept thinking that the whole time. I was like... The Les Mis universe. <laughs> even you know let's do a whole universe <laughs> no what we could do what they could do and i'm surprised people have done this because technically anybody could do it because these are all technically under right. um uh why do i never remember the name of this thing it's uh not fair use but um in the comp yeah there you go that's what i was trying to think mm -hmm. of um you could literally take all the classics and make one universe out of them and nobody could stop yeah. you no totally um, <laughs> right. you, you could have the Count of Monte Cristo and Jean Valjean yeah. teaming up against their prospective bad guys, you know, it could be fun. Make it action-y, <laughs> hire the rock. Uh-huh, there you go, yep. So I did the post about Last Action Hero recently, about what movie would you go into, and people have loved that yeah, one. Movie universe. But yeah. one of the one of the clips from that movie that always stands out to me is when Schwarzenegger does Macbeth, and I absolutely adore that moment because... <laughs> That's what, as a kid, I was always like, to if be. they just do this, I would or watch it, be. right? I yeah. would watch to be or not to be, not to be, right? Not Great stuff. Be. Um, I just, when I think of classics, I wish they would spice them up a little for the younger audience. So when they made Romeo and Juliet, when Baz Luhrmann made Romeo and Juliet, he was, that's what he did. And I was like, yeah. dude, I can eat some, I can eat up some Romeo and Juliet for days if it's got guns and action and Leo DiCaprio, like, give it to me. Um, anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they tried to bring yeah. all those characters together. Yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's pretty much like bringing them all together. The team. All up those things. We saw how that went. Yeah, yeah but that was. <laughs> I was thinking about this today. That's an interesting thing you bring up because that could have been really great. It could have been. And I, whenever I think about bad yeah. acting, I always, I always think about. It, I'm like, wait a minute. The director said cut. Why? Ask them to do it again. Why are you bad? The bad acting happens because somebody left that alone and edited it into a film instead of asking the actor to That's do it. That's the thing. Like, yeah, like, and they had, if they can, if they can, like, you know, from, you know what I mean? Like, and that was the take that they chose. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. 
I know there are 20 other takes. Why that one? The other bad takes were. No, I agreed. And I thought about that too. That's definitely a fair point. But I still think that I'm like, wait a minute. I saw that too. And I saw it. You, how did you not see this bad take? Like, like a lot know. of takes, like they'll take unfair, a whole day but... to do a take of something. And then they've got this pool of things. At some point, either the director got so tired of looking at the bad takes and said, we'll just pick one randomly. Or because <laughs> like that's yeah. how it feels like that movie sometimes. Well, no, totally. Or, I mean, or that was yeah, the they're... least of the bad ones, which means I want the blooper reel for that because it's oh, like man, you went, yeah. oh, you think this film was bad? Look what it could have been. Yeah, well, I guess Sean Connery had a lot of issues on that film, and I guess there was a lot of like other problems on that on the set too. So I think they were all just trying to get get it done. Well, you know, that so movie made him quit acting. Wait, like, didn't he? Didn't he like? Yeah, he that was like, after this. Movie? Yeah, he was like, "I'll never yeah, act again. Much. You guys suck." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like thanks. Finally, somebody killed Bond. That's just yeah. how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but I also heard that sometimes he was a nightmare on set. So, like, maybe there's a benefit to that. Uh, any, I don't know. any, like a prima donna sometimes actor has got to be yeah. a diva. Yeah. Hard not to. Um, Unless yeah. you're Keanu Reeves. Yeah, but he, it's weird. I think he's going uh, like off the deep end a little, and that's maybe part of why he's. Uh, he doesn't sound the same as he did even five years ago. He's sounding different and acting a little different yeah. in his interviews. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that, but yeah, something's well, he's probably up. malnourished because he gives all his money to his crew, <laughs> buying people motorcycles <laughs> so they can go on rides. Uh -huh. I mean, I mean, the dude's generous, but like, mm. people have seen him like sitting on this on like a curb, like eating like a lunch or something. Like, do they yeah, like think I'm that bad. maybe he's like spent all this money on everybody else and he's not like taking care of himself? Oh, he's always skinny. We should start a GoFundMe for, for, for Keanu. Keanu. GoFundMe Keanu for a sandwich. Yeah. The, just need the real, sandwich. the real study, the real study. Keanu. We're gonna Go do, we're gonna do this for Keanu. Keanu. We're gonna, we're gonna do it yeah. for him. Um, have Where you guys seen or read or or <laughs> know the story of Count of Monte Cristo? Yes. No. No. Okay. I've only seen the movie. So you have seen the movie. So you do know the story yeah, enough. Yeah, seen the movie. Yes. yes do you feel like a lot of the classics kind of have these like revengey plots and a lot of these dealing with the power oh. structure? Because they all, all kind of have listen, this feel that they all feel like classics. There, there are so many. There are so many stories that are derived from classic literature. It's, it's not even funny. It is not even funny. Um, well, they say out it? there, there's really only like seven stories, right? You know, that are actually told. They're just like thrown with different paint on them. You know, this yeah. is why people get mad at Marvel because they tell the hero's tale like a lot of times, like a lot of times. I mean, there's a reason the hero's what tale was like stands the test of time, though. You know, it's one so, of the better versions of like, stories. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. This is yeah, but at least they're they're playing they're playing their movies based off of the literature that they wrote. That's based off the literature that other people wrote. All right. <laughs> Rather so. than a play based on a book based on a no, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is a confusing on one. A musical, it, it's an uh, interesting one for that reason. Commercial. But, um, yeah. It's a yeah. It's ba it's a musical based on a commercial that was based on a 1998 film, but the <laughs> musical was actually set in 1980, so there was time travel involved. But it's okay right. because it's all based on the book from from 1862. I almost exactly. said 1962. Why not? Exactly. Why not? Yeah, it was much fun. And literally, they just came up with it because they all were sitting in a hot tub and they just got transported to that time. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. So, <laughs> big bright idea. We need to do our own version of Les Mis, but we need to do like they did with Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. It needs to be like Les Mis versus. Mm. 
and like blend the French Revolution and singing with some other property. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could remake it. We could make a million dollars, or it could flop like Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Uh, or yeah, uh, all Blind Biggest says aliens. We could do ooh, Lay Miz meets the reverse. Well, what we could aliens. do is we could do one where where Jean Valjean is on the run. He's pardoned from the bishop. He goes to this house of this woman who was always fond of him when he was younger, and she traps him and breaks his legs. Oh, that would be Lay Misery. Lay Misery. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was freaking awesome uh and great on the fly um uh-huh. that being said um did you guys know that pride prejudice and zombies is actually just pride and prejudice but with zombies like it, i yes. asked a pride and prejudice yeah. fan and they were like oh no it's it's exact i'm like <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, what i want literally talking about courtship and relationships and then yeah, zombies, and then show zombies up. Right. So they this, right I want dialogue. the aliens to just be the French army. Like, that's all I'd need. Like, I don't need anything changed otherwise. Just make this movie, but they, the French army and, the, and Javert yeah. are all aliens. So they're being invaded by now, aliens. Now, here's oh, what I want. Okay. Here's what I want, because we're talking about, like, these remakes and stuff like that. Um, a while ago, I bought the the original Star Wars trilogy written in Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, yeah. And oh, they need nice. to do a adaptation of Shakespearean Star Wars. Like a movie version of that book. Yes. Right. That'd be yes. good. It could be good. Yes. So this is another one I was thinking of because the movie Singing in the Rain made me think of it. And since we're kind of, this movie did kind of weirdness too. What might be your favorite movie in a movie? One that doesn't really exist, but it's the movie in the movie. Because like Last Action Hero is the name of the movie, but the movie is really Jack Slater 6, right? That's the name of the yeah. movie. Jack Slater 6. Um, right. So like what's, I don't know, just a thought. It occurred to me there's so many movies in movies that don't really exist or even songs. Mm-hmm. Like that's one I've heard of before, what songs. But so just think on it. You don't have to answer right. it. We do have a pre-review. So why don't we wrap up Les Mis, uh, give our reviews, and then do the pre-review, and then we can discuss Tick, Tick, Boom. Because we have gotten to aliens fighting in the French Revolution. I think we're ready to move on. Yeah, I think we... Oh, did, we didn't rate this one. We though. do have to. So why don't we start with uh, you, all the movie things. All right, I'm going to give this one a 6.5. Six and a half. All right. Um, yeah, 12-year-old me wouldn't be interested in this either. So Something about a pole, 10 feet, tent. Mm. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Mr. Marvelite. Uh, aid for me. I really like this film. Um, you definitely had star star quality, even though Russell Crowe, I think, is on the decline of things. Um, and it was not his most becoming part. But but I think right. I think the rest of the actors um, did a fantastic job with their singing and everything else. And um, even when even when like I think it was like I, I think it was the Oscars. They actually did one of the songs um, from like yeah, his. They did. Yeah, the uh-huh. and, uh-huh. It was just like. At, at the point where I had seen the film and I was excited that they were in the Oscars, when they went to do their part and Russell Crowe's up there singing, it was it was almost like com- comical at that point. Like I was just like, "You go, Russell. You go." You do it. <laughs> so like you you kind of get used to it. It's like one of those right, things where yeah. like the movie is good, but then at some point you're just like, "Oh, here he comes! Here he goes! Here he goes!" <laughs> Look, he's you just gonna, you just give it his best. Or, give or it your like all. somebody who's never watched it, <laughs> like if, if if like not knowing that you guys you may not have seen it. Um, I would have loved to have been sitting next to you, and I probably would have been the guy looking over and wanting to see your reaction when he opens <laughs> his mouth and 
like, bellows those sweet pipes. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so yeah, definitely a for me as, as, um, as a 12 year old, I probably still would have watched this and liked this. Um, mind right. you, if, if we're, we're talking about like the, if I would have known about like Wolverine and stuff, I would have gone just to watch it for Hugh Jackman's sake at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that was an appealing thing. And then just seeing him be that strong guy that's lifting up the mast and he's picking up a, a horse cart and doing all those things and yeah. seeing him as being strong, but Jeez. doing all those things is very compelling. And I, I mean, the story is, is very compelling in that. Um, mind you, some of the, the, the themes were a little bit questionable for maybe a 12 year old to be watching, but, I would have loved it's it. Pretty heavy violence yeah. for a PG thirteen film. Yeah, and it's also got a lot of sexual mm-hmm. like like explanation. Oh yeah, right. The storyline mm-hmm. is very sexual with the f- fact that um, Fontaine is is basically you know holding the the prostitution. Yeah, that was hard to watch. That whole yeah, and I mean, even not even that, but just like her getting her teeth pulled and like her hair getting like yeah, selling pieces of her. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's what yeah, I tried yeah. to explain to my my wife. I was like, she was selling pieces of herself. And she's like, like her arms. Yeah. I'm like, no, but like whatever selling yourself yeah, in a variety of ways herself. yeah yeah because yep. even a part yeah, of her I mean, soul like, was sold when she sold herself at the i think yeah. the, i think the most emotional part for me within that scene was when they were like um they were there to go to take her teeth and she's like just the back ones um mm-hmm. and they said well you get two for twice though you know you get you get you know for two, yeah but like made twice. her do it like, like yeah like she she had no choice at that point they took right. since they already had her in that position they just took what they wanted and that that was yeah. I think that was what impacted me the most of that scene because it's like it was it was visceral how they treated her yeah. even for it being yeah, musical. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. No, and it, I, that scene also shows the 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 disparity between the rich and the poor, and that guy comes along and abuses her essentially in his. Oh room. yeah. She uh-huh. fights back, you know, the way she should, and now all of a sudden she's right. over there. It's like, oh, you you you're a whore. You have to go to jail because that guy mm-hmm. said you did something. Like, I was like, man, yeah. I wanted to slap but like you. Like also the fact that what what a mother would at what extent a mother would go to right. to take care of her daughter, right. and yeah. you know people think that she was horrible because she had her daughter off somewhere else. You know the circumstances were terrible at that. It's like mm-hmm. being a being a parent. I would I would there is nothing that would be sacred for me to be able to take care of my child. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I will stop eating before my child stops eating. Well, it's as simple exactly. as that. Um, my review on this or my, my, uh, rating, I should say, cause we've already done some review, uh, is actually going to be a nine. I think that this stands up as probably one of the best made musicals ever made, even though it's not for me in the musical sense. Once I did get through the whole story, I was so moved by the entire production that I get it. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever watch it ever again. Right. But I get it. <laughs> and I understand it. And I, so yeah, I'm going to give it a nine. So, uh, nice. yeah. That being said, we do have a pre review from Sean. And we're going to head right into that right now. How's it going, real study viewers? I'm Sean, and I'm finally back with another pre review. I know I've taken the past few weeks off, but there's literally nothing extravagant coming out nothing uh groundbreaking right now and it's still an early part of the year but i couldn't let another week go by without talking about the two movies that we have releasing nationwide this week in theaters this week we have moonfall starring patrick wilson halle berry and john bradley this looks like such a fun sci-fi thriller adventure comedy even it 
It looks wonderful, over the top. Haven't seen anything this crazy since, what, 2012? But this looks like so much fun. I can't wait to watch this one. And also this week, we have Jackass Forever. Now, these guys have been with us for like 25 plus years, I think, of my life. I've watched some iteration of this group of people. They have been through so many changes, and I cannot wait to see what this movie is like. I've been a huge fan of slapstick comedy, and these guys take it to the new to a whole new level, you know this. So now that they're older, I cannot wait to see what they do, what they're willing to do for their entertainment, and it's just gonna be a great time. I know it's not much, but that's all I got this week, and hopefully when things pick up, we will have plenty more movies and releases. I'll see y'all next week. That was definitely a short pre-review, but hey, uh, we are back and uh, Moonfall, that does look interesting. Um, we'll see whether it's ridiculous or, you know, takes itself seriously enough. It's one of those movies that you got to like, yeah, so he, with him though, there are movies he's made that are so good. And then there are movies he's made that are just awful. Um, Independence Day. Anybody can say that that's a classic. It's fun. It's great. And then you watch, although I don't think he directed the sequel, but the sequel was, it hurt me. It's one of those movies where I think it's better if you literally turn the sound off, you can watch the movie because the visuals are good and the, like the aliens are cool, but the dialogue is the worst. Um, that being said. Um, a movie that also set up for a sequel that's probably never going to happen. <laughs> fair. Uh, 2012, yeah. I thought was terrible because Blind Biggie just asked that. I hate that movie. Uh, Woody Harrelson was the best part of it. Exactly. I think we <laughs> were already. I think we're all going to agree about it. Roland Emmerich. Like, yeah. like so for me, like White House Down was actually one of his better films because he he knew not to take himself too seriously with that film, and it was fun and funny. Um, mm -hmm. So when he can do that, like Independence Day is funny. There are moments of just fun and funny even though there's tragedy, it's, it works for me. But as soon as that dude tries to take himself too seriously, it falls to pieces. So we'll see. It really depends I, on I how the I have to agree with Blind Biggie, though. I did like it the day after tomorrow. I thought that was a good film. Was that Emmerich? I don't know if that was Emmerich. Let me look him up while we talk. Uh, so we are going to talk it. about Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, would either of you guys like to introduce the film while I look up Roland Emmerich? I guess it's a no. No. <laughs> I've no, it is Roland that. Emmerich. It is Roland Emmerich. Okay. Um, he was a writer and director. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he makes some good movies and some bad movies. All right. Tick, tick, boom. Uh, let's talk about tick, tick, boom. And this is a Netflix exclusive, which they are hit and miss with their movies, as we've already discussed on this show before. Uh, starring Andrew Garfield uh, as Jonathan Larson, who was the man who wrote Rent, mm -hmm. uh, the famous Broadway musical, who, which basically changed Broadway forever. I don't think we'd have Hamilton without Rent, uh, period. Um, and it's basically his story about trying to become a successful uh, musical theater writer. Um, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, oh yeah, directed by Lynn Manuel Miranda. How could I forget that? Um, so mm -hmm. it's kind of it's I it's interesting it that Lynn first is time directing. Film. Yeah, and mm -hmm. yeah. So um, I knew everybody was talking about this movie. I had literally walked in this movie blind. I did not know what this movie mm -hmm. was. I saw the title. I saw Andrew Garfield. I saw a piano, and I went intrigued enough. 
uh, turned it on uh-huh. and just got to walk right through the story with no anticipation of what it was for. And wow. Like what yeah. a fun and interesting film. What a great cast. Um, such a kind of a, a snapshot of an era that I lived through, uh, even though it wasn't on the East Coast and I wasn't a big musical fan, it still took, it encapsulated that that era uh, very, very well. Um, and you can tell Lynn had a lot to do with the music, even though Jonathan mm-hmm. himself obviously wrote this music because it was for his musical. Mm-hmm. So there's my introduction. Um, I really, I, I thought it was, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it uh, more than I thought I would. Um, just not knowing what it was, I didn't have anticipation. So I'm glad it was higher than not knowing. Um, all the movie things. What do you think about Tick, Tick, <laughs> Boom? Oh yeah, loved it. Um, and <clears throat> I, I felt like uh, Andrew Garfield's like on fire in 2021. I mean, he had a really great year. Um, I think he's going to be, we're going to see him get nominated for this. This film will get a few nominations. I mean, it already has for Golden Globes, but, um, and other, other various awards, but I think we'll see some Oscar nominations for this film. Um, yeah. And like his performance was just, I mean, it's really all on him. And there's some great set pieces. Like it was almost like there's like this fantasy element in a way you know, mm-hmm. like, especially with, like, that diner scene, like, the whole diner, like, opens up. Oh, yeah. Just, like, a platform, you know, like, the stage, like, yeah, just, like, well, yeah, there's just There were fun, tons of Broadway people in that like, scene. Like, tons of Broadway oh, yeah. people in that scene. There's some Hamilton folks in there, for right. sure. Like, yeah, though, so I think... a lot of folks from Hamilton in there. I think almost everybody in that scene was from a previous Broadway musical. I, I, I'm i almost yeah. certain of that. Anyway, go ahead. Right. Yeah. Well, and then we got, you know, Stephen Sondheim in there. Um, not the Steven Sondheim, but um, Bradley Whitford playing Steven Sondheim, which was great because um, he was very influential for for that character, for Larson. Um, and it was just a great story of like for anyone that's like a creative um, and trying to do something, you know, it's just like you feel like there's got to be an end. Like I put all my you really see like the struggle that he has, like you finally get something and it's like and it doesn't go the way he was hoping. And that scene where that agent's telling him like, well, you just, it's heartbreaking because it's like you get up and you do the next one and then you do the next one and you just do it, you know, and you just keep slogging through this life because you love it, you know? And um, yeah, I just really, really loved it. Like the, and the songs are great. I mean, there's still some that I'll like play YouTube on just, play on youtube and listen to you know, especially like that relationship one was really great and fun oh yeah me. so good <laughs> or even yeah, the so. one that they did off the on the fly uh in the living room where the guy the guy that yeah. they didn't know was there and this and, is the life yeah yeah, uh-huh. that was so yeah, yeah, yeah. such a great uh-huh. scene yeah 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 loved it mr marmalade well this film, I, I wasn't, wasn't aware of it coming until I saw a preview. I think it was either the end of 2020 or right at the beginning of 2021, where they mm-hmm. just had Andrew Garfield singing This Is The Life. And yeah. I didn't know much about that other than it was about the creator of Rent. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to get too in-depth of what was going mm-hmm. on with it. But I remember as soon as I saw the trailer for it and listened to Andrew Garfield singing... I'm like, you know, I'm going to definitely watch this. I have no idea what this is going to end up being, but it sounds, yeah. it definitely sound, sounds interesting. 
And so, um, so as soon as it came out on Netflix, of course I watched it. Um, and there was a lot of like, I mean, if you're on TikTok, you, you saw, you know, people either, you know, doing the audio or you saw bits of the, of the film or whatever. It it was just, Mm -hmm. it was just great. And then of course, Andrew Garfield is one of those, he's, he's one of those type of actors that we don't get very often in this generation anymore where Mm. they're very much into the method. They're very much into embodying the character. I believe he actually learned how to play the piano and wanted to make sure he was able to play some of these pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, that's him singing that's whatever and it's funny because yeah. lin-manuel miranda there are recordings of him actually doing these parts whether it was because he did tick tick boom i think on broadway or off broadway or whatever um or if it was just for preparation for the movie you know but it, and they're good and i see people comparing andrew garfield to lin-manuel miranda which let's face it that's not fair um because <laughs> this is what andrew garfield was focused on doing Lin-Manuel Miranda is is a, um, you know, he's a versatile Broadway actor, singer, director, writer. And Mm -hmm. so you've got this, you know, him doing this one piece, which he could do anything he wants to. Andrew took the time to really kind of embody Jonathan Larson, Mm -hmm. which I think it it really pays off well. Um, from From the impromptu you know, set design pieces where you have the diner opening up, like, like, like all the movie things said, um, the, um, I could get used to this, the, the, where he's in the, in the apartment with his, with his friend and former roommate, like just the way all of that kind of goes in, like you can just see all of the, the real Broadway elements just kind of come through. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. more of Broadway off Broadway than even producers could do. And that was more satire to Broadway yeah this is just this is just like if if real life was broadway this is what it would be like yeah yeah see that's what i was trying to say Uh about it because Uh i feel like i feel like every person who wants to you know win a tony or wants to get all you know get into that type of of life of of the arts and and doing you know theater that's the mentality that they go through i bet there's a lot of people that are like theater kids out there that that's how they live their lives through. They just imagine, you know, musical numbers for, you know, everyday events. And, and I could see that, like, that's, we were in Jonathan Larson's mind. And I think that was fantastic. Well, I yeah. love that. The, the idea, see, I've always been the person that would just, I'm not a theater person. I'm, I cannot sing. I, I've learned some music, but I, I have no talent with it. But yet I still felt compelled my whole life to make up little ditties, if you will. And I think a lot of people do. And Jonathan took that and just ran with it. And I think that's mm-hmm. fantastic that he would just he would write songs about everyday items just to see if he could. And yeah, <laughs> yeah just to just to practice, to flex, if you will. Yeah. And that's brilliant. Like he took his craft so seriously, it enveloped every part of his life, including his snacks and breakfast. Yeah. Like brilliant, yeah. you know, like uh, you know, I guess we can too, as TikTok creators, we can just film everything we ever do. But part of me understands, right. you know, being a person who creates and mm-hmm. looks for an audience and doesn't always find that audience. I think I can relate to him uh, to a degree. Obviously, I'm not a Broadway, you know, person on that level, but I do understand what it means to do something and go, wow, that really went really well. And then they're like, yeah, move on to the next thing. I, it feels like that on mm-hmm. TikTok almost every day. Like that's like a, mm-hmm. <laughs> I did well with that video. Right. Do another one. Same with this show. We yeah. can have a good show, but next show is just as important. So we've got our next show to worry about. 
And that's yeah. performance. Yeah. That's that's doing these things um, kind of across the board, putting yourself out there and doing any kind of producing of any kind, whether you're producing yeah. art or theater or <clears throat> film or whatever TikTok. it is, or podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh -huh. So I, I got it. I, I felt like I understood. And I think it's such a it's such a great story because it's uplifting. But then, of course, it's absolutely heartbreaking because we all know, unfortunately, yeah. how it ended um, <clears throat> before yeah. we even started. Um, <clears throat> and it's just hard to know that people like that got their shot but could have done so much more. Yeah. Imagine what we would have had with 20 more years of Jonathan on Broadway. Um, yeah. And it just would have been, I don't know if Lynn would have had a shot had Jonathan still been there in a weird way. I don't mean that in a disrespectful. Unless but... Jonathan would have like been like a mentor for Lynn. I, I really right. think fair, fair, but we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But at the same time, that's a just, I, I think Lynn had to think about these things while he was making this movie. Um, this yeah. is, he's making. Also really movie. had to think about what he struggled with, like what he went through, right. you know, and imagine oh, that yeah. he got to where he was. And then all of a sudden his life was cut short. That had to have like really like embodied for him. Like, you know, Oh yeah. What Jonathan was going I'm... through. So. No, agree. I'm sure in a way, I'm sure in a way too, he he did this as a love letter to Larson and just the the idea of living that life, you know, and like grinding mm -hmm. away and like he he's been there, you know, himself. So I want to um, see yeah the mixtape movie. So when they make the Hamilton mixtape movie, I, I'm hoping that event because in 20 years. Lynn will be huge or whatever, and then somebody's going to make a movie about him. And I want that's that whole scenario where they made the Hamilton mixtape to find its way into the film and all the different practices and rehearsals they had to go through to get those songs built. Because that was yeah. Lynn's struggle, yeah. the same way that Jonathan's mm -hmm. struggle was for literally this story. So I can see the actual like matchup there in a really neat way. Um, I almost mm -hmm. feel like I could feel Lynn in this movie just because he's so Broadway. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Um, mm -hmm. Like, he was there, but he's not on screen once, you know, but his presence is. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's that's just me. But... Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, it felt like it felt like there was Lin-Manuel um, flavor in it, for sure. I think the majority of the songs were Jonathan Larson, though, because they were mm -hmm. pulled straight from his play. Uh, or from his right. piece, um, which makes me wonder how much Lynn did to each piece or had any, if he had any influence on any of the pieces. I don't know. I don't know the answer mm -hmm. to this, but it does make me right. wonder um, whether it was just him trying to say, look, everybody should know who this is and what this story was, or if he, I don't know. I want to know more. I think I'm going to try to figure right. out how to get this movie so I can look at the, the behind the scenes because, you know, Netflix doesn't have that. They don't do the special features, yeah. which I wish they would. Come mm -hmm. on, guys. Release your movie with some special features so we can watch them. Come on, Netflix. Get on it. I don't know why all the movie things, but you went completely snow, but you're back. Okay, you're back. Oh. It happens. I didn't, I didn't go milk. I no. Snow, huh? You went snow, no milk. And no milk. Okay. Yeah, that's just berries and cream. <laughs> let's see here i'm gonna pull down here to the details i noticed a lot of people in the the chat were talking about all the different things that that andrew had to do to get good at this part um and there were a lot right. of things they were listing um which is is ridiculous what actors will go through in order to embody a person and it's gotta be hard to embody a person, either a beloved person such as uh, Jonathan, uh, or somebody mm -hmm. that none of us know, but we 
like because most people don't know who Jonathan Larson is off the if you said that name they don't know who that is if you said the creator of Rent of course they might know that is but then they'd still have to know what Rent was or care in order to know Uh, and yet Andrew creates a personality of a person that is memorable even if he was maybe larger than Jonathan was in life because I know actors have to kind of make it a little larger uh, in performance. Sometimes. Well, I also like how when they, when they, when they started this off, they even said, this is based off of, you know, Jonathan's work about himself. And as it is as true as Jonathan made it to be true. That's a fair. And so it's kind of like the idea that he could have elaborated on himself during, you know, for his own story. Mm-hmm. No, that's a fair point. It's always interesting to hear. It's, it's, it's autobiographical in that sense, which means that uh, even the negative parts are being kind of washed over. Uh, right. Because we don't all paint ourselves in such a negative light. Uh, actually, we don't generally do that at all. Yeah. It's not our style as humans. Um, <laughs> but it always makes me wonder that always those kinds of things, these kinds of you know true stories, make me wonder how much of it has been uh, painted over, uh, how much of it was fancy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I know they're getting better. Movies are getting better and better every year. We get a little closer to real, a little closer to stopping with the the bs hollywood tropes um but even this movie Ooh. has some yeah no we we do we do i, I promise we do slowly I feel like we don't no there are other movies that just run with it um that's called fast and the furious and i think we'll mention that series on every one of our shows ever um i think that has to happen it's all about family it's all about family now i want marley to be here we're missing our our, our tiktok our tiktok family now um <laughs> I, I never can tell if he's being sarcastic about Fast and the Furious. I think he's I think he's genuine. You think he it. loves like, Fast and the Furious? Oh yeah. Interesting. Because his taste otherwise tells me that would not be but I guess your taste otherwise tells me you wouldn't normally be in yeah. Fast and the Furious. Like, Fast and the Furious is is a guilty pleasure that it's fair. I love Sans Tokyo Drift, of course. I watched I the episode. Best one. I agree with you, Mr. Marvel. Stop it. You're not. You nope. don't think it's the best. I do. It's my favorite one. It is 100% oh, my please. favorite one. 100%. It really, truly is. It, I'm genuinely not just trying to, to josh you. No. Uh, Fast 5 was my favorite Fast and Furious one. That one's good. I, I felt like after that, it just became a little bit tropey. After that, it became soapy. But um, I rewatched the episode where we talked about watching Furious or Fast 9, which was interesting that we had. And the way I talked about how I was going to give it a chance versus how I actually approached that film when we talked about it last week, stark oh, yeah. difference, stark difference. And I'm kind of like, wait a minute. Hmm. 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 <laughs> Maybe I'll let that movie take me away a little too fast and I should have given it a better chance. But at the same time, I really tried. Interesting. Uh, I try right. all the time. So uh, back to Tick, Tick, Boom. Um did anybody else stand out to you as just like their performances at all? I mean, I know you mentioned Bradley Woodford, who, uh, when I saw him, I was like, oh, what, what? Okay. I'm, yeah. He dude, did. Show up wherever you want, man. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he did really great as Sondheim. I mean, down to like his, like, how his face is. He has like this very specific way. Like, I don't know if he, I don't know if Sondheim had suffered a stroke or whatnot, but. He definitely physically embodied Sondheim, you know, very much. And um, Vanessa Hudgens was great. Um, and it was nice seeing Judith Light pop up in there, you know, like uh, we all know her from 
growing up with her with growing pains. So right. yeah, she hasn't been in much. Yeah. Less. It irritated me though. Like, I, but it was I think it was intentional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's there to kind of like, you know, bring some reality to to Larson. And mm-hmm. but yeah, that was the tough thing to watch. Uh, no, that was the one character of the Michael to watch. by Robin De Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. Just that 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 roommate and friend, like yeah, having him as the compelling, like you could see he was a bit of the inspiration for what Jonathan would then later on, you know, create rent based off of the struggle there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just that kind of because I mean you you see the AIDS epidemic is kind of like rife with it because you also had that other friend, um, I think it was uh, Ira uh, at the diner. The one they focused on just to tell about the relationship and the and the, the HIV positive. There wasn't right. much and else he, about know, the character. And he, and he seemed like he was going to be okay, and then he, he wasn't. It was either Ira or Freddie. I can't remember which one. I think it was Freddie. I think um, you were right with yeah, Freddie. Yeah, so, so Freddie, I mean, you had this, you just had these two individuals that that really <laughs> struggled um, in different in different avenues when it came to, you know, where they were with, you know, with having AIDS and whatnot. Right. Um, and, I mean, just seeing... <laughs> just seeing how Jonathan was ready to give up and his friend wouldn't let him give up. And just that, 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 that communication where he was so mm-hmm. mad at him, but then at the same time, Jonathan's like, you know, we'll do whatever we can. Like he was there for his friend. Right. And at the same time, his friend's like, I'm not going to let you waste your talent to go do something normal. And, and mm-hmm. just, they were both concerned about each other and, and seeing that was just like, that was probably the most impactful, even, even his relationship with Susan, like, I right. feel like it was, yeah. a, it was an avenue for some good music, but other than that, it was, you know, this idea that, you know, Jonathan wasn't going to give up on what he wanted to do. And it, it didn't involve yeah. her. Right. Um, she was either going to join him or not. Exactly. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, let's face it. Like when he was, I will say like in a relationship when you're, when you're sitting there thinking, because I, I was sitting there thinking at this point, like knowing what I know as a married man, like, when she asked his opinion, I was like, just tell her, don't do it. Just tell her to stay with you. Right. But that wasn't his mentality because he wasn't concerned about her. Right. He didn't care whether and she stayed. He loved the idea of her, but he did not need, he did not want that in his life really. And it was just, that was an excuse to push her away. And, and, and that kind of that whole relationship with, you know, was was more of what he thought of as a distraction. And I think that mm-hmm. was part of the problem. But what's interesting, yeah. what's really interesting though, and this would be true for anybody, is that without her there, he wouldn't have some of those songs without her there. Right. So like he needed to have enough of a relationship with her to create material, which almost if you were for if I were her, I'd be like, Am I like part of your props? Like are you using me yeah. to create these things? Or well, like even, when he was hugging her song, and he was yeah. she's he like does say that. I know. But it definitely made me feel that exactly. Way. Yeah. You're you're thinking of a song right now, aren't right. you? Like, yeah, it's like and like oh, that, that was an, a whole aspect I loved that both of you touched on was like that that's important in the film was like it takes a village to like all of those people are like the support system around him in order to keep doing what he's doing. And that's true with any I mean, I guarantee like Lin-Manuel Miranda himself has like his support team, you know. Oh, yeah. And he, like the original cast from ones. Hamilton were all his friends. Yeah. That came on. But, I mean, to, that's what like, I'm saying. He, like, he, like they each became a crux his, in his, you know, wheel. Yeah. Throughout yeah. his life, he's had those people too. It's like any any filmmaker, anyone who's has this like drive like and just like 
focus to create something, there are those, for better or worse, those people they have to lean on to keep going. So I, I, I love that they show it in like all those people, right? You know, Susan, his best friend, um, all those people were part of that. Going back to what Mr. Marvelite said about um, him and Michael when he was telling him, you know, he had to keep persevere, he had to do this regardless. I loved mm. that he was like, "Look, dude, I'm I'm an okay actor. I'm okay." you right. are a genius like he like really was like dude look i get there's a lot of actors in this town a lot of people in this town but trust me i've been around with you i know better than what you're trying to tell me um because that self-doubt will kill any artist uh over mm -hmm. overnight um you can just walk away from it all in, a, in an instant and how many artists have walked away from it all uh because they didn't have that support system that you guys were talking about um yeah mm -hmm. i would just i don't know so much art has probably been lost because of it um, or because of parents saying, you don't need to be an artist or right. get, a, get a real job. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. I, if you, if you have no children or obligations, do whatever the hell makes you happy. And if it, if you're eating and you're staying healthy, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Otherwise do what's make, making you happy. And if it's not enough money to make your parents happy, who gives a shit? Like, honestly, and if, you're, right. if you're young enough to where you haven't like, you know, you've gone too deep into i would just say also don't get in debt don't you know, spend a dime don't, you don't don't have. buy a car do not buy right. a car on don't credit. get a credit like, card unless you that. have to because it, it's like this it's like, it's like just coming from like an old like an older guy i would just say having having debt will prevent you from learning to do what you doing what you want to do in your future mm -hmm. you know wisdom from the real study debt. yeah yeah to pursue your dreams it Old is. guys with beards, right? Just think of credit life weights, and the more weights you put on yourself, the closer to the ground you're going to stay. Yeah, so. but credit's also like you're walking in sand too. So like it looks like a nice smooth sail, and then you get into a beach situation. Now you're picking up weights. It can get really bad. We are not here to tell you to do great in life, although we should commend you all and hope that you do do great in life. We are here to talk about movies. And while this movie does uh, give us a lot of this, um, and it is interesting to that it, that we would like automatically go there thinking about Jonathan because he did do this. And now we're sitting here going, wait a minute. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting that this there's a sociological aspect to our show and to, to movie reviews in general. And I, I love it. And I've been trying to find more ways to bring it up and talk about the way that we engage with movies as part of this, because it's as huge a part to this, to me, as the, the films themselves, uh, the way that we watch them and talk to each other about them. Mm -hmm. uh, and even just even the stuff on TikTok, the toxicity of the ridiculousness of fans of film. Film. Like, yeah. like, well, I mean, we're talking about movies, yeah, right? I'm just, and, like, and like some of the dumb stuff people pick, like this is a bad example, but like the Halo trailers came out and people are being very nitpicky about why does Cortana look different? Is she supposed to be blue? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> this is what we're talking about. Like it's come on. Like, yeah. But the, that's just a very small example, but the toxicity stuff gets really and like, insane. And here's the thing. Like does. people can criticize like that kind of stuff. Right. They can say, you know, uh -huh. I, I would prefer this to be blue. Like the thing, sure. right. but like, like we're, uh, I'm, I'm going to go there. Like there's a creator who was criticizing the CGI in X-Men Origins yeah. Wolverine, especially when he's in the bathroom, the closing. I'm not saying that the scene wasn't cool for the concept that they wanted, but 
It was it was who framed Roger Rabbit bad. Drawn it. We all know it's bad. And people yeah, yeah, were yeah. giving death threats. There's a mutual the mutual of mine who has been off of TikTok for yeah. four days because they've received death threats for that. And it's ridiculous that we would be so upset. You can have different opinions. It's okay. And not only can we have different opinions, but we can have a discourse about them. There have been some instances where one of my mutuals um, told, talked about a movie and had some negative things to say about the movie. And as people have seen on this show, the nuance runs deep because we can mm -hmm. hate a movie, like not really enjoy it at all and still rate it high because we understand what the film is. Oh, yeah. And there's a huge mm -hmm. difference between that and just being like everything in the phase four is meh, meh, meh. And you guys know exactly yeah, what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about there okay. too. Uh, let, yeah. let me, let me give you a personal experience because this is I just say it. it's just, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Uh, so, so personal experience. So a video I did yesterday on TikTok, it's gotten like, I think it's over at least 13,000 views and people are just tearing me apart in the comments because I said the scene where, Tony tells tells Peter that if he if he's nothing without the right. suit, he doesn't oh, yeah, yeah. deserve uh -huh. the suit. Or like like that's hypocritical because he's not Iron Man. The suit makes him Iron Man. And mm -hmm. I know there was Iron Man three. Everybody's like, tell me you've not watched the MCU without telling me you've not watched the MCU. Or I knew people were gonna come after you for that. Dummy. But people call me dummy, and I'm like sitting there like, I know mm -hmm. that. But coming from a 15, 16 year old's perspective where a guy exactly. who just exited a, 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 a yeah. repulsor powered a iron suit <laughs> right. is going to he say can fly it from India while he's Peter dealing with the superpowers anyway. and super senses. Exactly. But Tony's got money. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay, so he went to Walmart and was able to break into a Tony's compound nobody anyway. expected yes. him to break into in but the first left, place. Yeah. But anyway. he did that from Tennessee to florida right right how much prep time did he have like he at least had one night in a, in a hotel yeah room. he could have he had Peter time. decided to just grab his old suit and go after vulture right. and mm -hmm. you're right Marble, and it's not comparable but it's and like sure it's like but but it's like i'm okay if people have different opinions like i've even gone in the comics saying listen i know i know what happened in iron man 3 but peter doesn't right you know, and it's but they like, don't. But people that are talking about these movies on TikTok are not looking for nuance. They're looking to tell yeah. you oh, how no, they felt about no, that no. movie, and they wrap their personality around it. And damn it, you know mm -hmm. what I think is interesting. When I was watching that video of yours for that scene, what actually crossed my mind, which is what I thought you were going to mention, was in what way did they figure out how to get down to a store and buy a shirt with both of them in suit without revealing Peter Parker's identity? This would be tricky. It would have been quite a debacle to go downstairs to get the stupid T-shirt that, like, he had to go to the bathroom, get the spider right. suit. Like, what the hell? That sequence alone is less believable than your comment about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, I, my brain starts to unravel things in movies where I'm like, that shouldn't work. And I let it go because it's movies. And wait, I let wait. It go, but still. How about, how about the fact that a grown man is going to let a teenager go around in a T-shirt and boxers? Another problem. <laughs> now, we've talked about this on the show before. How about the fact that a grown man kidnaps, for all intents and purposes, because Peter's not allowed to choose for himself, a child to Germany and yeah. has him fight in a battle of superheroes who are illegally <laughs> battling in the first place? Anyway, anyway, I digress. Right. The toxicity. We also talk about. We would also have to talk about Peter's uh, movie rental choices as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, he's 15 and he's already seen Alien, Empire Strikes Back. What else has he seen? Yeah, no, no, because well, um, saw an adult happy, movie, yeah. happy reference yeah. that there was an adult in Far From Home. Bill. 
that when they were in Germany, there was an adult movie uh, rental on the hotel. How did I ever catch yeah. that? Bill, yes, yeah, because he, he, he remember uh, Mysterio doesn't know specific things, and so yeah. he said, "Tell me something that nobody else would know." And he said, "You know, um, there was a rental on there, and you know, you said it was something this, but it, it was really, you know, that." He's like, "Okay, that's enough. That's enough." Yeah, yeah. like yeah, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> so far from home is the one I've seen the least. I've actually seen Eternals more, which is weird. Um, but I'm gonna go back and rewatch it once I get Far From Home uh, available to me. So. Uh, that's why I probably don't remember that, but still, that's hilarious. And again, yeah. somebody let that charge go through. I'm just saying they well, they gave him carte blanche to run that hotel room however he wanted instead of locking it or whatever they could have done. Uh, they let right. that kid run rampant and do crap he shouldn't do. That's my point. Yeah, my point about the toxicity though is that the nuance that I think should be on TikTok is completely missing in half of movie talk. And on the other half of movie talk, it's there. And then all those people are being blasted by the trolls who just want to say, this movie sucks. This movie's cool. And it's wild. It's really black and white. Like, yeah, it really is. You're either on one half of the cool movie TikTok or you're sitting with trolls who want to just thrash everything you have to say. And I don't get it. It baffles me. Sorry, this uh, revolved or evolved into this, but you know, at the same time, we're still talking about movies. Well, at least uh, we're we're not talking about milk puns anywhere. We got true. away from those. You mean the milk heads? Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> so, um, one thing I was thinking about doing was because I, I and I was hoping you guys could tell me while we're here on the show, even the chat can throw it out. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out a list of movies that kind of all fit the fanboy film like list so like i'll mention a couple and they should automatically make sense but uh fight club comes to mind scarface comes to mind you're talking about like film bro movies film bro type films so scarface yeah. uh fight club taxi driver joker Any, anything uh, quentin tarantino yeah anything tarantino that's a good point what did you you said pulp fiction um yeah, yeah. And I, and I think I'm going to ask this question because I want to start a more nuanced conversation on TikTok in general and just be like, if you like these movies and just be like, look, I like some of them too. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I want to right, know right. why everybody likes these particular films other than the mm-hmm. fact that, yeah, some of them are good production value and all that. But the, the bro aspect is what I want to get in, into and figure out why they love right. them so much. Because yeah, yeah. as I look at them, they all have this like same thread and it's not a good thread. Uh, that they tend to have. Uh, It's usually a lot of violence, violence towards women, um, violence towards people that they don't agree with. There's, I mean, a lot of these films are like that. And instead of understanding that these are prohibitively telling you cautionary tales, people are like, woo! Yeah. Like Tyler Durden, somebody to look up to or something. I I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. miss the idea that they're, they're, even though it's grandizing, you know, the violence and saying that this isn't a good thing, you know? Right. Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like um, the Hateful Eight. I I appreciate that film. Um, you know, I think my favorite of the whole group is Samuel Jackson, but it it almost mm-hmm, makes mm-hmm. racism funny um, in some cases right. where it shouldn't. Um, Django course, did that too. Time, yeah, Django did that as well. Like you know, people people praise Leonardo DiCaprio for like a lot of the things that he did, but yeah, that was great acting. But at the same time, it was a terrible message that he was putting across. And there were probably people that watched it like, yeah, I agree with that. You know, yeah, well, I, need to I look like that. him. I identify with him uh-huh. and so on and exactly. so forth. Right. Yep. Yeah. No, I yeah. think the reason that we still have a super f- crazy part patriarchal system is the fact that we still keep letting cis white males run everything and they get to 
tell all the stories still, still, still. Right. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm still, the more I've looked at this, the more it kind of creeps me out. Like I was talking to Lala about this and I was like, there are a lot of movies you're telling me I should watch that I swear just never hit my radar. And then I looked down and saw uh -huh. and realized uh -huh. why it never hit my radar. And it drove me nuts mm -hmm. uh, because as much as I love a lot of these movies, I'm like, man, I just was saturated with white production like my whole life mm -hmm. saturated with it uh and not because necessarily uh, that other people of color productions weren't available but they weren't that's the other thing they were prevented from making a lot of these things over the right. years so there yep. wasn't just no saturation it just wasn't that didn't exist so when people started breaking out on the scene when i was a kid such as um uh come on brain why is spike lee Likely, he yeah. pissed off every white person in America because he went against yeah. the, the norm and said, I'm going to do something which is in your face and telling a story from my perspective that you don't necessarily understand. And it's going to piss you off. Uh, yeah. Mostly because well, you don't why, understand like in the 90s, in the 90s, there was this whole boom of like films with people with, you know, with people of color in them. Like there's just like it was insane. Like and some some folks have been I've seen a few people on TikTok talk about like, Hey, we need to bring back this like yep. era of, you know, like it, it did kind of go away because there was like the nineties. I mean, and you had Boys in the Hood, you had Mess of Society, you had all these like incredible and they're all great films. Well too, done. And they're, and, and they're talking about exactly they're talking about real stuff, you know. And, right. so, and not just and showing uh, in the case of like Minister Society or Boys in the Hood, not just showing black men right. as an evil criminal, uh -huh. which is what we grew up just being saturated with, um, but right. showing that there were friendships and nuance and people yeah. trying to become football stars and other various things that, uh, that and when I was 14 made me go, mm -hmm. all right, people are people. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's still in itself kind of gave me a false sense. Well, okay, they're making movies now, so everything should be good. And now I'm 45 right, yeah. years old. I think Hollywood and, felt that way too. Right. So now I'm 45 like, years like, old. Okay, we gave you your, you know, your moment now. Like, we're going to continue right, going no. back to Sis White stories. And I agree and, that and, that did happen. Well, but and, yeah. and what's interesting is there's different there's different scales of that as well. Like while I was just yeah. mentioning, you know, she she grew up watching white television, so she was always yeah. you know, looking forward to you know, dissecting a frog, which she didn't do that. Now my now my school I grew up with was mm. extremely diverse, and I was, um, if you would consider it the minority, like we were we were number Caucasian kids, and then you know the Middle Eastern kids were kind of like the lower number of the of the group of the school, um, and we still had those things. But at the same time, we're talking about a a less you know um, economically and you know um, uh, people group diverse area. The schools might have been diverse, but let's say the the neighborhood wasn't, or the state wasn't, and then you know Virginia versus let's say Michigan or let's say Los Angeles or like like California with like Oakland, Los Angeles. It's it's going to be different debate based on you know you know what is the norm in those areas. Like right. experiences are completely different. Well, see, I and, went to the richest school in my county, like straight up, the richest school in my county, which means we had everything. Everything you see in the movies, we had it. We had a radio station. We had a TV station. Like, it was ridiculous what we had available to us right. in high school. And I took that for granted. I thought that was just what everybody got. And as I learned that what Marvelite's saying, it literally depends on where where you grew up, depending on what you, whether you even had books or not. Like, uh, we can go off on a very political discussion here. Like, but anyway. Yeah, and, like, and it can even get more divided up because, like, I grew up here in Portland. And, like, I, my high school was was 
felt very diverse because it was like what's called a magnet school. So like you didn't, you weren't relegated to just your area. Like if you went to this school, you could come from wherever really right. within, within reason of the mm -hmm. Portland metro area. But if you went to a different school in another part of Portland, it was completely different. I yeah. mean, like that school probably didn't have, you know, so I grew up thinking like, yeah, I thought all these schools were diverse and we're all like, we had, we had a radio station too, but we had like, you know, it was a different kind of area and, but yeah. going to like North Portland, say, which was a, a more rougher part of Portland right. at the time was didn't have that. Yeah. You know? So it's I, like, I think the reason that both yeah. of you experienced that, cause even the rich school that I went to, we had, there was diversification because I think that schools, mm -hmm. once segregation became a thing, started pulling kids from all sorts of different areas within the counties in order to truly right. diversify the school while the outlying areas didn't get diversified at all. Nothing changed for the families, for the parents uh, living no, in those areas no. or the, or the housing, none of that changed, but the school itself changed, oh, yeah, giving us exactly. this false sense of diversity. Um, yeah. Because even when I would go home, my friends didn't live on the same street as me. Like if I had friends uh, who were people of color, they lived in a completely different part of town from me. That's something that should have been a, something that dawned on me then, like especially when I went to the rich school in San Rafael, there were two different parts of town. There was basically white town and then Latino town. And that's <laughs> right. where, yep. how San Rafael is oh. broken up and it's terrible, but it, the more yeah. I look at it, I'm like, holy shit, that's true. Like, mm -hmm. and I never thought about it. I would, my girlfriend lived down in what they called the canal. And of course it had to be called the canal. It couldn't be called you know, Notting Hill or something beautiful. It's like, it's always something, <laughs> the, the areas are always something drab or I don't know. It's even yeah. the language. Is That's terrible. all right. Anyway, I live where I lived, where I lived, where I grew up living in Arlington. Like the, uh, I went to like where I went to school. I was the only, I was the only like a uh, light, light skinned person. And literally it was called the Valley. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. Like that was the area. It was the Valley. And it was like, it was like the whole community was, you know, was, was black and, and I didn't know anything differently. In fact, it was sad because in kindergarten, I had to come home crying because I realized I wasn't mm. black. Because um, oh. the kids told me because oh. I wanted to play house and they said, you can't. Because you can't you be the dad. black? I, I couldn't be the father because I wasn't black. I was the only white, like, oh, gotcha. like visibly white kid in the school. So right. um, like I, it just upset me. And so I, that was my first time understanding that there was a difference other than, you know, I always thought people look different. I, I get that their skin color, but like I wasn't colorblind. People who say they're colorblind are really just trying to be closet racist. Um, right. I, I looked at skin color being different was the same as like your hair color was different. Your eye color was different. Everybody's you know, a little different. Everybody has, everybody's a little bit different. That's just how it is. Um, but, but like, and then, and then we ended up moving cause there was an issue with like drugs in the school. And um, I got moved to a different school and that was when I was around a whole bunch of white kids. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the entire mm -hmm. mentality of, of the kids were, like, I just felt like it was too much drama. Like, I just, like, I don't know. No, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I grew up around nothing but white kids mostly. So, yeah, we're full of drama. That's for sure. Um, what's interesting for myself is I grew up a um, military brat. Like, so my I grew up on military bases for the first almost 10 years of my life. And military bases are strangely one of the most diverse places uh, in this country. Um because there is a for, like a forced diversity, but in a way that's because it's for the greater good. 
So in the military, they always say you're green, you're no other color. And although that's not true, and there's plenty of racism in the military, the way they set up base, the way that they house people is completely with that in mind. And so I grew up with people of all sorts of different races in on my street. So one of my, mm-hmm. my very first best friend when I was a little kid uh, was a black kid named Marvin who lived five doors down from me. Still remember his name, don't know where in the world he is. If you happen to be watching this, Marvin, remember me, I would love to say <laughs> hi. Um, but that's a fond memory. Um, and of the whole crew on that street, we were all just kids from a variety of different parents. So again, I grew up kind of blinded uh, in a sense, not knowing that the rest of the world wasn't dealing with that being normal. Um, yeah. So I've had these weird perspectives, variety of perspectives, but even then, after all of that being who I am, I still find myself going, wait a minute, we're still neck deep in this crap and nobody's wanting to change. Uh, and those that are, aren't powerful enough to change it fast enough. Um, yeah. I am on a soapbox. I'm going to jump off this box. Now. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I mean, that, about well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why, that's why movies I think are so important. Um, Thank because, you for bringing it back around. I mean, yeah, like, you got to, for me, I, I want to see, like we talk about the same story has been told over and over again, you know? Yep. And, but what makes it more interesting is like when it's directed by a woman for me, or it's written by a woman, like, like, that's why I like, I talk about Thelma and Louise. I'm like a big Thelma and Louise fan. Like that was, I mean, Ridley Scott directed it, but um, Kitty Curry wrote it. And it's like a textbook screenplay. It's like a screenplay that's studied, um, I tell people all about, like, read that screenplay. If you want to learn how to write a screenplay, read this one and witness. And, like, but, and then, like, of course, it's, and Gina, I did that whole series about Gina Davis where Gina Davis did this, like, series of films that were all about, you know, feminism and, like, women empowerment. And, like, Thelma mm-hmm. and Louise, I think we need to see more of those kind of films that's, like, from another perspective. Well, it's know? like when Catherine Bigelow uh, did The Hurt Locker and she beat out her ex husband. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you beat James yeah, Cameron like for Avatar yeah. and like for Avatar, yeah. It was like extremely exciting. And then like I, I mean, even so though cool. we talk about like even with Marvel movies, Chloe Zhao did a fantastic job yeah. with Eternals. Um, I mean, you you look at you look at all of these things, and then you have like Shang Chi, and um, and and you get this discussion of where you know representation truly does matter because mm-hmm. um, you cannot expect, and it's it, it, it's it's the Black Widow effect. You had the the writer for Black Widow who wrote jokes who were that were that were not tasteful, mm-hmm. and it took the female director and the actress to take that joke and make it appropriate. And basically, mm-hmm. it was a smack in the face of the writer because they were tone deaf. Because yeah. you shouldn't have a guy writing stories about yeah. a female led story. Yes, you can have people that are consulting and help with like right. you know writers rooms can still be a like, thing. Like we're not saying exactly. don't have right. people with perspective yeah. in a film or even the fact right. that there's other there's going to be male characters in some films too. So you'd still want some yeah. input on that. But right. yeah, you're right. You're right. We and are no no time to die was the same kind of thing. They you know um they brought in um oh, her name's going to escape me, but she she did Fleabag um but she she was brought in to punch up some of the script for No Time to Die uh, because of yeah uh, mostly because I I think uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge that's her name thank you um, she she did some work on because there's like you know a very strong woman agent in that character that was a 007 it was taking over the 007 moniker you know so they they needed to bring 
and someone to like punch that up because it wasn't. I haven't seen the film you know, yet. Yeah, neither have I. Oh, sorry, but well. <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> this is not no yeah. way home level spoiler it's, so i'm good right yeah no it's not i mean you kind of get it from the trailer anyway that she's yeah but um yeah i figured i figured that was the direction that they were going to go and i was hoping that they would but so right but i well, actually my wife you'll see my wife called in the, in the, in the uh in target today and i was like yeah you know i really need to watch the one before this before i go watch it because i'm yeah. just behind yeah. the 007. <laughs> at some point you get tired of watching you know this action adventure about a white agent like it gets it gets tired after a while yeah it was it was a really great way to end daniel craig's era but um i never cried at a bond movie so i'll tell you that much i don't think we rated tick tick boom but we are out of time so we're gonna have to do it very very oh, quickly yeah, we, didn't. <laughs> we didn't rate it but we gotta do this very quickly so just give me a number all the movie things uh tick tick boom man it's like a 9.5 for me Ooh, solid solid, solid. mr marvelite yeah yeah really good. it's a nine solid solid uh i think yeah. i rated this one an eight um i think i thought mm-hmm. lady man's was better but i still uh liked this mm. quite a bit and i think everybody should watch this movie um this yeah. is definitely one everybody should see so uh Haley thinks it's a one million <laughs> out of 19 yeah what is that what they- <laughs> <laughs> i think um i didn't know you could go above 19 out of a 19 scale anyway <laughs> Uh, we're going to go ahead and raid the Raven Armed again because he's a very cool guy and he's got lots of viewers and it's kind of fun to raid bigger people. I would raid Felicia Day, but we found that that doesn't work anymore. And you know what sucks about that yeah. more than anything tonight? She's actually doing a guild special and all of the guild members are on with her right now as we speak. So once mm. you leave the real study, if you love the guild, go over and check out Felicia Day and say hi. Um, other than that, we are going to raid the Raven Armed. Um this has been The Real Study. I hope you guys have a have great night. Have a wonderful night. night.